Um, a couple of things. Please make sure your mobile phones are switched off. And as far as I know, there's no scheduled fire alarm today. So if there is a fire alarm, please make your exit through that door and down the stairs out into the courtyard. Thank you. Um, we have uh, apologies for absence. Are there any apologies? No? Um, Councillor Merrifield and Councillor Lachlan. Okay, thank you. And uh, declarations of interest. Chairman, I think there's an apology from Councillor de Vries, who was a substitute that couldn't make it as well today. I think Councillor Reeve, who couldn't substitute for Councillor de Vries, also who okay. sends apologies. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, apologies for absence. Uh, sorry, um, declarations of interest, please. Sorry, Town Council, Saffron Warden. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Town Council, Saffron Walden, and uh, Portfolio Manager Cabinet for, for Economic Development and okay. Investment. Gerard. Thank you, Chair. I'm um, Newport Parish Council, um, uh, Newport Quendon Rickling Neighbourhood Plan Steering Group, a Cabinet Member for Communities and Residents, and I'm also a member of the 100 Parishes Society. Um, Parish Council. I, I'm not sure I need to declare. I'm the district councillor in White, White Road. No, no, no. No, I don't. Thank you. Right, if we'd like to move on to the first item on the agenda, which is um, Weston's Yard. Jumps. Oh, sorry. I'm new at this, so I've forgotten the minutes. Um, are we happy with the minutes of the last meeting, please? Thank you. In which case, I will now move on to Western Yard, Chelmsford Road, White Roading. Um, that's UTT stroke 18 stroke 2523 FUL. And I'll ask Madeline to take us through the process, please. Thank you, Chairman. This is the um, site that members visited this morning. This application relates to a site that is located to the northern side of the Chelmsford Road in White Roading and outlined in red on the plan shown. It includes a brownfield site of 0.24 hectares. The site is located within the Metropolitan Green Belt outside the development limits. The site was previously in use as a contractor's yard for storing and servicing plant is now redundant. There are properties to the west, east and opposite the site and open grassland to the rear. The proposal is for the demolition of the existing buildings on the site and for full planning permission for the construction of seven new dwellings with associated new access and landscaping. This shows an aerial view of the site with the brownfield site shown in the middle. A material consideration is that there is an extent permission for outline consent for the demolition of the existing buildings and erection of seven dwellings with appearance landscaping and scale reserved approved in June 2017 at committee. There were five buildings on the site to, to be demolished. As seen on the site visit this morning, some of the buildings have already been demolished. This slide shows the location of those buildings. This slide shows some of the photos of the buildings to be demolished. And this slide shows the original proposed layout of the development 
which has been superseded following officers' advice to reduce the scale of the buildings, add visitor parking spaces, um, increase the number of parking spaces per dwelling to meet adopted parking standards, and to reposition and design the dwellings to each side to overcome overlooking of neighbouring properties. So this slide shows the revised layout and the location of the new access road, which would be further, located further west to the existing access. The plan shows three five-bedroom, two four-bedroom and two three-bedroom dwellings. All of the, the properties would be dis, detached and the plans show that adequate garden land and parking spaces to meet adopted standings for, for the size of the dwellings would be provided. There are two visitor parking spaces also provided here and here. Uh, this shows the proposed landscaping, which would include two, the replacement of two, planting of two ash trees to the front of the site. And the next slides show the elevations of the different plots. And this shows uh, the view from the Chelmsford Road. The site has, been previous, has previously been the subject of pre-application advice. The proposed number of dwellings has been reduced from 12 to 7. One of the core planning principles of the MPPF is to encourage the effective use of land by reusing land that has previously developed, i.e. brownfield land, provided that it is not of high environmental value. This site is not of high environmental value. It has residential housing to three sides and the proposal would result in an improved impact on the character and appearance of the countryside with the removal of existing unsightly commercial buildings and would remove the existing incompatible use that has a detrimental impact on the residential amenity of neighbouring occupiers. The Housing and Planning Act 2016 also allows for permission in principle for development of suitable brownfield sites. This site is now listed on the Uttersford Brownfield Land Register. Taking into account the above, paragraph 145 of the MPPF in respect of development of Greenbelt and also that there is an extant planning permission for outline permission and that the council does not have a five-year housing supply, the development is considered to be acceptable in principle. The design of the proposed development is somewhat urban in nature, however it is considered on balance to be acceptable and in accordance with policy Gen 2. The layout of the development is acceptable. The properties would not be higher than the adjacent properties. No significant loss of residential amenity will arise from the proposals. The rear elevations of the houses to the side of the development would mainly have bathroom windows to their rear elevations, which would be obscure glazed. The amenity areas and parking provision are appropriate, and the proposals comply with policies Gen 2, EMV3 and Gen 8. The housing mix for the development is considered acceptable, taking, taking into account the strategic housing market housing report, which identified that the market housing needs for Uttersford has changed since the adopted policy H10 of the 2005 local plan, and that more dwellings with three or four more bedrooms are needed. 
The proposal would not result in any significant harm to protected species or habitats. The access arrangements have been considered by Essex County Council and no, no objections are raised to the proposal. Subject to compliance with recommended mediation conditions in relation to possible contamination, the proposal is acceptable. The applicant has agreed to pre-commencement condition 6 in respect of construction management plan. However, since writing my report, environmental health officers have agreed that conditions 7 and 9 are not required as a contamination report has already been submitted with the application. And condition 11 should read prior to occupation rather than prior to commencement. Highway officers have also requested that an additional informative stating vegetation should not be planted within the highway or within one metre of the visibility splays. The proposal is recommended for approval subject to conditions as set out in the agenda and the changes mentioned. Thank you, Madeline. Um, I have no speakers on this uh, application, so I'll open the uh, application to the floor. Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you, Mr Chairman. Um, just one thing. We are advised that it's in the Green Belt, which is sacred. Um, and then we saw, but that's okay because it's brownfield, which is a very good idea if you want to do it. We're even told that it's somewhat urban in nature. I have only one problem with that, and that is it's, it's, it's a site which is 0.24 hectares in brown, is, is brown field, and 0.33 hectares is what we're doing. Why couldn't we limit the entire process to the, to the brownfield site itself and not start stepping on greenbelt sites? If I go back to the first slide, the, um, this is this part of the site that is in Greenbelt that isn't brownfield land, and that is supplied purely for drainage purposes, not for development. So there will be no building on that piece of land. Yeah, I've just got a question about the um, driving through White Roden coming to the site. It's very clear that properties left and right, there's a single property on each side of the road. There's no depth to those properties other than their gardens. And this is clearly different to that street scene. This is sort of backland development type. It's got quite a density of housing in a small location and it seems to, to break the linear development that you've got in White Roden. Uh, and I do know that we've had letters of representation from the properties uh, on the corner where they're going to be overlooked. Uh, and it feels to me that this isn't the sort of housing we need in the district. Um, it, it's certainly not affordable housing. Um, and it doesn't feel like the design is right either to me. It feels like if we're trying to keep the aesthetic look of white roading, this is going to break that. So, as far as I can see, the design is, is not right for the area. Uh, and it, and it, it's quite visual as well, as you, as you drive down there, I can see that that's going to be noticeably different to the street scene that we've got at the moment. So, for that reason, I, I don't think we can tinker with the design, so I'd be minded to refuse it uh, on the basis that I think the design needs to be amended. Nigel, can I ask you for comments on that, please? Well, um, 
a member can have their own view on that particular issue, but I think the starting point is this is a brownfield site with existing buildings on it, of which there was original buildings on it. So the, the idea of development in depth is already there in terms of existing buildings that were currently were on, are on the site and were previously on the site. In terms of the mix of development, um, this is the type of houses that the Schmar says that we need, threes and fours. That's certainly the level of houses that we need in those houses. So I think it's a peculiar situation because this is a previously developed land with large buildings currently in depth on the site. That's why, but I totally agree with Councillor Bagnall that the, the character of that end of white roading is linear development. Linear development with this brownfield site and depot going back. Are there any other comments? Yeah, thank you, Chair. Um, I was not able to come on the site visit earlier on, so I can't comment on, on the visuals. But um, certainly looking at the, at the policy, um, yes, there are five of the seven, sorry, three out of the seven houses are five-bedroom houses. Only two are three-bedroom houses. So while some are probably what, in terms of size of house, what, what, what the... Uh, district is looking for. I think you know there's still five, three out of the seven are still five-bedroom houses, which actually um, doesn't quite concur with with what Mr. Brown just said. But I'm, um, you know, I I'll ask, ask a question of the of the case officers, if I, if, if I may. The, the the strip you mentioned that was for drainage only. Um, could this development happen without that strip of greenbelt land? Um, I mean, I'm fairly ambivalent about this, but um, I, I have to sort of defer the um, detailed sort of uh, opinion to the people who actually saw the site this morning. But I'm of the opinion that this may be just on the wrong side of, the, of, 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 of Greenbelt. Um, ask Nigel to yeah. On that drainage issue, I think we're overthinking it. It is pipes in the ground. And so therefore, it doesn't intrude on the Greenbelt at all. Um, and it doesn't open that particular greenback open to development. So, for instance, if development happens and it's built and suddenly someone wants to put a shed or wants to extend their garden into that area, we will go back to first principles. It's green belt, and, and so therefore it is not part of the Brownfield site. So I think members shouldn't really get overhooked on that, on that bit. Sorry, there's a tree preservation order apparently. Could you just clarify which trees that might be? There originally were two ash trees on the site that were um, subject to tree preservation orders. One was felled in 2013. Um, the other one is considered to be of um, not significant value. A landscaper ha officer has no objection to it being felled. This um, scheme includes the planting of two ash trees, two replacement ash trees, obviously not of the same height because you can't do that, but it does include replacement. Councillor Bagnall. Just to clarify, neither of those ash trees are there, right, so they've gone, uh, and I think the previous owner probably removed those. Um, I just wonder if the, if the applicant had spoken to local residents, because clearly local residents were not happy and they, they offered to, to speak to the owners to, to look at a design that was less visually impactful on them and the neighbourhood. Uh, and I've, I'd be minded to refuse it and encourage the applicant to, to rework the scheme with the residents so that it's fit for purpose for everyone. 
Well, yes, but there, there were no objections from the parish council. On, Not from the parish one. council, but there are from the local residents. <coughs> But part of the sorry, sorry, Chairman, part of the design in terms of moving one of the properties was to avoid the overlooking. There was, there was, an, there was an originally an overlooking issue between one of the plots and the adjacent property, and that was actually relocated in line with that overlooking. It wasn't just that wasn't the only reason it was removed. It was also removed to allow the parking and the amenity spaces to be achieved on the site as well. So, but in terms of in terms of the applicant speaking to the agent, the applicant's not speaking today, so therefore the applicant can't answer that question. No, I'm not talking about the applicant speaking to the agent. I'm talking about the applicant speaking to the local that's, residents. Sorry, that's what I meant, the applicant yeah. and the agent speaking to the, to the residents. It just strikes me as it's, it's, um, it's overdevelopment of that small site in terms of um, the size of houses. Uh, and if there is an opportunity to work with local people to make it more acceptable, it strikes me as that's the right way to go. You've got a comment on no, that? No, no, I've got nothing to add to that. Right, any other questions on this, uh, Councillor Fairhurst? Thank you for letting me come back. I think we have to look at this, this um, suggestion by uh, Councillor Bagnall about the development being not linear in nature, because can we go back to the picture with the, the site and cadastral view? The site, with the site, with the, with the, with the uh, brownfield site and the little blue, blue line outline. When, when we begin to develop into land as opposed to linear, you're effectively saying this is what we can do. There's nothing stopping the chap next door saying, well, that's fine. So you've built in deep into it. We'll build one down behind it. Um, linear is linear. Anything, any deviation from that is not linear. So I'm, I'm reluctant to say this is a great idea. I get the idea it's brownfield. We should be using brownfield sites. But to overdevelop or to, or to develop, and to this extent, I think it's probably too much. Um, I just would like to point out that the um, development is confined to this area here where the existing buildings are. It doesn't go out into this open countryside. I'd propose to refuse... Uh, and seek that the applicant goes back to the local residents and work up a more acceptable scheme. I have a proposal to refuse. We, we do need a reason. Yeah, we do need you a need reason. You need to know why it's unacceptable. I think your street scene and li linear development is white roading and this isn't linear development. I need to advise members that would be a very dangerous... You know, this is a brownfield site. This is where we should be starting with development. Um, oh, I, d I don't disagree with that. Yeah, but and this is, right. you know, sorry, I'm, I'm not. Can, can Matt please put in the overhead? Can you put in the overhead, the the aerial view that you had on? That is what you currently have got. Okay, some of the buildings have been taken away. If we do nothing, the linear effect is already there. It's already there. Only that is a huge depot. Yeah. To prove that with buildings, with houses. Members need to be mindful here that this is such a dangerous thing. We are saying you cannot develop a brownfield site mm. in depth. That could cause serious problems later on. So members just need to be mindful of that particular issue. 
you will, you're, you know, for the rest of the day, you can talk about greenfield sites, and that's a different issue. But here you're talking about a brownfield site where there's a presumption in favour of development, even if it's in the green belt. And so the form of development, so moving away, you may have an issue about the form of the development put on there in terms of the design of the houses, but you really would be seriously, seriously difficult situation to defend by saying it needs to be linear. Um, and just, I, just, I just want to make that quite clear because that's a very, very dangerous way forward because the site as it stands is not linear. It's, there's very large buildings on the site. Thank you, Chair. Um, I appreciate what Mr. Brown is saying here, but on the other side of the coin is that one could be argued then to be setting a precedent in the reverse of what the next application may bring on a similar site that is in a greenbelt. And in terms of the character of the surroundings. So I, I, I appreciate that, but I mean, again, you know, where, where is the line here in terms of precedent? Um, I sort of think that I concur with Councillor Bagnell on this, but in terms of the policy itself, I think there is a policy for um, detrimental to the character. Um, I just need to try to find it along my... And I think that... Um, Gen 2, Councillor, that's probably the one you're talking about. I, but if this is set in a precedent for the reuse of Bramfield land, well, for, I'll argue that there is no such thing as a precedent, but that is a precedent we need to be, to be setting. To be it's fair, a greenfield site, it's a Bramfield site. That's not what we're saying. So we're not saying no to the development of Brownfield site. What we're asking for is a better design for development of a Brownfield site. So let's try and keep it in keeping with the street scene, keep it linear, see if we can do something. Oh, that's the issue. Linear is the dangerous issue. You cannot redevelop this site as a Brownfield site, bearing in mind the existing Brownfield site is not linear. This was one shed along the front of the site, and you were arguing it was, with lots of hard standing behind it, that might have been an argument you may have had, but this was a building covered with buildings in depth. So to argue this, the linear argument, you're quite, into, you're quite entitled to make whatever decision you might, but I need to advise you that if you're going to go down the street scene route, it should be on the form of the development, not the, not the linear in-depth issue. I think that's the dangerous way to be going, because the existing development is not linear. Is not linear. Okay. Yeah, I, 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 on the brownfield site, yes, it is a brownfield site within the Metropolitan Greenbelt, but it has been registered, I understand, definitely as a brownfield site. Thank you. Uh, I have a proposal and a seconder to refuse this application. Um, I'll... Uh, my own opinion is I, have, I don't have a lot of problems with it. I think the site at the moment is, is appalling. And uh, I do agree with Nigel on the linear issue. But um, I'd like to put this to the vote. Those in favour of refusal, please show. Those against refusal. Thank you. Um, no, now, no, you didn't propose it. So now I, do I have a proposal? Well, I will propose that um, I, I'm happy to propose that we, ex, that we pass this application. And it's seconded by yep. Councillor Caton. So those in favour of approval? 
Those against? Thank you. That matter, that application has been approved. We now move on to UTT 19 0946FUL, land east of Dunmo Road, Athorpe Roading. And uh, ask Jonathan to take us through the application, please. Thank you, Chairman. This is a site to the east of Dunmo Road. It's a greenfield site. I understand that councillors visited the site this morning. Uh, the proposal for this piece of land that you see on the screen is for um, five houses. Of those five, two would be um, what the applicant describes as starter homes. Um, I'll show the block plan in a minute. There would be two vehicular accesses onto the road which comes off Dunmo Road. You'll see before you the block plan on the left of the screen, that would be a semi-detached pair of houses. They would be three-bedroom properties and are offered as part of this application as starter homes, but um, a Section 106 wasn't entered into for other reasons. Um, it's a greenfield site, and I'll explain why officers are unhappy with this. I just mentioned, uh, draw your attention to the block plan, two entrances, highways are happy with it, but of course they would be fairly sizeable vehicular accesses um, serving two properties on one side and two properties on the other. This is a street scene of the proposal. To be fair, there would be hedging um, in front of these houses. Uh, the, the street scene is the, um, the, top, um, the topmost illustration. And you can just get an impression from what you see on the screen here that the principal windows would be to the front and the rear. There would be um, one or two um, windows, non-habitable rooms that could be obscure glazed. Essentially, principal windows would be front and rear. The houses would be set back a good distance from surrounding development. Going back to the block plan, you'll see that there are existing housing on the opposite side of the road, um, which I myself think um, is counterbalanced by this site itself. There, there is um, a line of houses to the east, 
you'll see from the block plan that the nearest neighbour is quite some distance away. And um, going back to the block plan, the, the house in the bottom right-hand side, that would have principal windows front and rear. Fundamentally, the problem with this is that uh, it's outside a settlement limit. Uh, Leaden Roading is some distance to the south. There is a footpath there on one side of the road, but I, I think you uh, would have seen that it's, it's, um, it would make for a difficult walk. Two reasons for refusal, as per set out on your agenda... I would summarise those really as uh, adverse impact to the character and appearance of, uh, of the area and uh, strategic region, reason. This is unsustainable development because there are no, um, no services, no, sh no shops other than one in Letting Road. Uh, people who live here would have to travel by car for practically everything they wanted. It is therefore fundamentally contrary to policy S7. The recommendation is one of refusal. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. Um, I have two speakers on this. Uh, Ian Coward. Thank you, Ian. Um, and you have three minutes. Uh, good afternoon. I'm a planning agent and have been instructed by the owner-occupier of the adjoining property to object to the application. Uh, we submitted quite a detailed objection at application stage. The applicants largely rely upon the fact that the local planning authority does not have a five-year housing land supply and invoke the tilted balance. But to do so, the presumption is only in favour of sustainable development. This is the key requirement at the top of paragraph 11 of the framework. The site is not sustainable. There have been three appeals where this issue was considered by the inspectorate, one dated back to 2005, one 2006, and one more recently this year as confirmed in the officer's report. Very briefly go through the quotes from those appeals. 2005, although the appellants argue that the hamlet is an established settlement, there is nothing in the evidence before me or which I observed at my site visit suggests that it offers the services and facilities that would make new development a sustainable option or a high priority. Pretty much the same was said in 2006. There remains a fundamental policy objection to three dwellings in this isolated rural location. It is not a sustainable form of development in terms of the provision of services and the inevitable dependence on private transport for day-to-day -day living. And then more recently, pretty much the same thing was said. It is highly likely that the future occupiers of the site would be mostly dependent upon the car. So we've got three decisions by the planning inspectorate all saying that this is not a sustainable site and I would expect this view to be upheld if the current application was refused and was to go to appeal. We note the relatively recent development alongside and opposite. However, the circumstances in relation to these schemes are very different. A um, lot of detail there, which obviously I won't go into now, but they, they came into being for very different reasons. 
Notwithstanding any planting that could come forward and be retained, the site is very prominent at this road junction. The development would be very visible. This would result in clear harm and a changing character, which in addition to the key issue of sustainability, would support a decision to refuse this application as recommended by your officers. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr Card. And now I call upon the, um, the agent, Paul Calder. And he has three minutes. And Mr Calder, you have three minutes, please. Thank you, Chair, and good afternoon, members. Um, mem having seen the site this morning, members would have noted that the application site is bordered on all sides by thick foliage, including hedging and trees, which would be retained if the application was approved. Um, the pattern of the development also follows that of the neighbouring development by Jenny Moody Homes to the east. Members would have noted from the officer's report and presentation that the only officer-level objection to the proposed development relates to the site's location within the countryside and future occupiers would be dependent on cars. The case officer raises no objection in terms of neighbouring amenity privacy overlooking, parking on highways, matters, flooding, drainage and so on. I would also like to draw members' attention to the fact that the Parish Council does not raise an objection to the proposal. Just briefly in response to the officer's concerns about sustainability, the National Planning Policy Framework recognises that opportunities to maximise sustainable transport solutions will vary between urban and rural areas. We acknowledge that the proposal would lead to some reliance on the private car. However, this is not untypical of a semi-rural location and is recognised by national planning policy. And it also, within the transport statement, highlights that there are amenities within walking distance. I would also like to highlight that the same framework recognises the intrinsic character and beauty of the countryside, but does not seek to protect this per se, with protection being a term now only applied to designated areas and valued landscapes, which this application site does not fall within. The mere fact that the application site lies outside a defined settlement boundary within policy terms in the countryside does not automatically render it unsustainable. The absence of an up-to-date local plan and lack of five-year land housing supply and the provision of two starter homes priced up to a maximum market value of £250,000 clearly weigh in favour of the proposed scheme. We would like to highlight that a provision of the two starter homes, which will be restricted in value if members were approved entered into a legal agreement, are a direct result of the questions that were asked at the public consultation, which was held prior to submitting the current application. The results of the public consultation concluded that the local community sought these types of homes for young families who have been raised in the area can no longer get on the housing ladder. All the houses have been designed to be in keeping with the houses directly to the east and south of the site. This again follows comments received at the public consultation when neighbours felt new houses should be of a similar size, style and design to ensure that their properties would not be undermined. This also ensures no distinction between the starter homes and the rest of the development. This has been a landscape-led approach to the design. It will fit well within the surrounding and, if approved, draw the hamlet of Keyes Green to a natural close endpoint following on the developments to the east and west. The appeal sites are in a different location and do not necessarily set the precedent for the whole of this area. I generally believe this is a positive application, not only because it would bring forward much-needed starter homes within the area it serves, but because it would not adversely impact upon the character of the landscape which the area, and it does not have an impact upon residential amenity. We do, we do hope that members can see the many benefits of this proposal, and thank you for your consideration. Thank you. Thank you. Members, I'll uh, put this open to 
Members of the committee, uh, Councillor Gerard. Thank you, Chair. I want your microphone to come off, please. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, could I just ask uh, Mr. Brown why this matter is before us? It is being called to this committee at my discretion. Um, is a procedural issue whereby the current applicant received pre-application advice by a previous officer, one of our agency planners, that gave positive advice, positive advice that um, I don't think any other officer agrees with, to be frank. So because of that, the, um, the applicant was, was obviously had to put forward put the application. It doesn't mean to say we automatically have to recommend approval for it, but I think as a way forward, and obviously that is a procedural complaint that could carry on what comes out of this, whatever comes out of this appeal, that's a procedural complaint. As a result of that, to give the applicant a fair hearing because, although it was recommended for refusal, it has been brought to this committee. I should say on the converse of that, had it been recommended for approval, the local member has already, had already called that in, but that's not the reason why it's here. It's here on, at my discretion because I think of the procedural hiccup that we had. Any other comments from members? <coughs> no. Do I have a, this is, has been recommended for refusal. Do I have a proposal for that, please? And do I have a seconder? Yeah, Councillor Pavitt. Any other comments to be made? Any comments? I only have one comment, and I'm not sure I should make it, but, you know, starter homes at 350,000 seem to be a lot to me. And the other problem I have with the starter homes is can they be bought as a starter home one year and sold on the open market the following year. I don't know clarify that issue. I don't think it really changes what you've just said, but I think the, the term was actually 250,000, not 350,000. Oh, but I don't think that really changes no, no. It's, it's what Actually, this morning we were told it was slightly more than that. So, I, thank you. Right, I'll put it to the meeting. Those, we've got a, a recommendation for refusal. Those in favour? Those against? Thank you. One abstention. Thank you. Right, right the Athol Roading uh, UTT stroke. 190946FUL has been refused. Um, we pass on to item 5, which is UTT 183369FUL, land south of the Ox Oxley's Close, Salford Road, Clavering. And I'll ask Luke to take us through the application, please. Thank you, Chair. The site is located off Stortford Road, Clavering, and comprises approximately 0.6 hectares of undeveloped agricultural land. The photographs on the left of this slide show the adjacent development at Oxley's Close, as it is viewed on leaving the village southwards. Those on the right were taken in the opposite direction and show the application site with Oxley's Close behind. The application is for planning permission to erect 13 dwellings, including six affordable homes in the western part of the site. Over here. 
A new vehicular access would be formed off Stortford Road and a new footpath would extend northwards, connecting with the existing footpath into the village at Oxley's Close. This slide shows a sample of the proposed elevations, illustrating a traditional approach to the design and the selection of external finishes. It is recommended that planning permission be granted. Good afternoon, I'm Philippa Robinson from Andrew Martin Planning and I act as, uh, on behalf of the applicant. Um, the outline planning permission was originally granted at appeal in 2014 for 13 dwellings and the reserved matters were granted in 2016. The site is now allocated for 13 dwellings within the emerging local plan under policy CLA1. Arthur's adopted local plan is now out of date and therefore the, the national planning policy framework requires development which is sustainable to be granted planning permission unless adverse impacts of doing so would significantly outweigh the benefits. Currently, Arthur's are not able to demonstrate a five-year housing land supply. In this case, land south of Oxley's Close represents a sustainable site being well located to the existing built form um, and is within easy walking distance of a local convenience store and a primary school. Emerging policy CLA1 states that detailed proposals will need to comply with other, other relevant pol policies in the plan, as well as meet further site-specific requirements in respect of transport, ecology, landscape, visual impact and, trans and boundary treatments. These requirements, as well as further technical issues, have been addressed fully within this submission. Any objections that have been raised by consultees during the determination period have been fully resolved. With this in mind, as well as the details set out in the officer's report, including their recommendation for approval, it is considered that the proposals represent sustainable development and should be granted planning permission. Thank you. I have no further speakers on, on this item, and so I'll throw it open to our members of the planning committee. Do you have any... Any of you wish to speak? Uh, First, Thank you, Mr Chairman. Um, I just wanted to uh, draw attention. I noticed the Parish Council have made some comments, and I wondered if we could just look at those um, and maybe perhaps clarify a couple of things. Um, they, there is an issue, uh, understand that this, and perhaps Mr Brown could clarify, this site is in the emerging draft local plan, I believe, is, is that correct? Okay. Um, there are some comments relating to the bus service that was in operation when this was originally granted planning that are now no longer available, so I'm just raising that issue there, if we, just in case people aren't aware, um, we can discuss that. The issue that they then bring up regards to some of the detail of the application in terms of the drawings do not show whether there's adequate turning circles required for large refuse lorries. Could we just have a look at that one moment? If you could just show us those turning circles and how they possibly do allow for large refuse lorries. 
Okay, so you're looking at the, the site layout plan that's probably the best illustration of what the manoeuvrability would be around the site. There are more technical drawings as well showing turning circles that were submitted and assessed by the Highway Authority. So it is worth noting that since those comments were submitted, further tweaks to the design, very slight ones to one of the turning circles in particular, this one here, um, were made just to make sure that everything was all workable. So the Highway Authority is satisfied that this is a, a workable layout. Um, there's a further comment regarding the um, concerns that the proposed road hammerheads will permit for further housing developments as took place in the original Oxleeds Close development. Um, again, is that, is that something that's been subsequently dealt with or is there an issue with the proposed road hammerheads? No, so nothing's changed in that regard. Um, I, I've tried to address it in the report, but fundamentally I think the, the point here as I see it it's about these, these turning heads, that, including that one down there as well, just indicating these on the slide. Um, I think the, the concern is that they could lead to future development beyond these site boundaries in future. Um, really, the, the way that I've put it in the report is that that's not something that's really for consideration with this application. Any future application would be considered on its own merits as to whether that was causing adverse effects. So the fact that they might be usable in future for something else shouldn't really be a factor in this decision. Councillor Cason. Just a couple of questions, uh, Mr Chairman. Um, under infrastructure, it says about the, there's no, no infrastructure required as a result of this application. Can I find out whether there is capacity in the local primary school to co cater for um, primary age children that will be attracted by this development. That's the first one. And then the second one is about the six affordable yeah, um, houses. Now, are these going to be like the starter homes in the previous uh, application and be kind of market-based affordable houses or will there be some social housing provided as part of this um, development. Thank you. Okay, yes, I can answer both of those. So the first one on, educa on education infrastructure. Um, Essex County Council, as education authority, they, they won't seek any financial contributions until the development's over 20 units. So this one being 13 units, there's no requirement to, to pay towards education infrastructure. Um, on the other point about affordable homes, these are, they're not the starter homes, these are um, these would be affordable rent or shared ownership in the usual way that we would seek affordable homes. And our housing enabling officers commented and is happy with what's being proposed. Yes, <clears throat> thank you, Chairman. Um, on page 46, representations, there's the issue of loss of privacy to number five Cloverfield Close. Can the officers show us where number five Cloverfield Close is? It's not obvious from this map in front of us. <laughs> Nor the other one, apparently. Can't hide the fact I'm trying to find it myself. Um, so it's one of, it's it's not one one of the of those properties Ox along here, which no. are all along a similar line here. That's Oxley's Close. Yeah, Oxley's Close goes down here. I think this one's Cloverfield down here. That is, we're it's having a, nods from the parish there, so... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because it was a later addition to the Oxys Close. Yeah. 
development through but there. In that case, Chairman, I find it difficult to see how number five Cloverhill close is close enough, as it were, to be impacted by this new development. Perhaps you can advise on that, please, officers. Uh, well, we'd agree that there would be no adverse effect there. So, I mean, the, the nearest properties that are being proposed, are this one here and this one here, both of which would be side-on as well, so they wouldn't actually be facing onto those, that property. Councillor Gerard. I wanted to know, um, the housing enabling officer um, in the comment has suggested that there are two houses that could be designated for shared ownership, and the recommendation was that, it was, um, that they be put in. just want to clarify, has that been done? So, so that will go into the Section 106 agreement. That will specify which ones. I think that would be the usual way. Uh, yeah, that can be provided for. So um, the key thing that's indicated at this stage is the number of units and which ones there'd be that are affordable. And then this is kind of getting a, a layer down into that, which is which one specifically would be affordable rent and which one shared ownership. So that's something that would be clearly specified within the Section 106 agreement. Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you, Mr Chairman. Just a couple of questions. The first is, where are the affordables? Can you point them out to me, please, on the... As shown here, they're plots 1, 2, 3, 4, and 12 and 13. So all the ones in this western portion. They're all clustered again, which we don't really like. Um, another question is the... Not the SA style, I mean, the SA style, I don't know, we don't commit to it, but is Garden number two, 59 squares sufficient for the minimum requirements of gardens? Uh, yes, I'm just double checking. I think there's a schedule of, yeah, there's a schedule of accommodation um, in the report. So that's a two-bedroom property. Yes. So the requirement in the Essex Design Guide is for 50 square metres minimum. So this is 59. So that's very that. close. Yeah. Thank you. Councillor Pavitt. On page 51... Um, the uh, recommendation, conditional approval. I don't understand. If a freehold owner shall fail to enter, blah, 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 uh, the assistant direct planning with discretion any time thereafter for the following reason. Inadequate affordable housing. But apparently there's adequate affordable housing. So, so what that is, that's um, if... So the Section 106 agreement hasn't yet been signed. This, this is the common way that this, this happens. So... This is a mechanism to make sure that if the Section 106 agreement isn't signed by a certain deadline, we can refuse the application on the basis that it doesn't provide the affordable housing. But it, it should provide the affordable housing subject to the developer signing up to the Section 106 agreement, which they've indicated they will do. Okay. It, is, it is a bit peculiar to say it that way, but that's exactly it. It's, it's just if we're in a position where a 106 isn't provided, then there will be inadequate affordable housing provision. But... If, if it is provided, and to pick up Luke's point, the housing enabling officer is heavily involved in the draft in the 106 in terms of she gets what she wants in that actually request in terms of specifics. Councillor Bagnall. Uh, I'm just intrigued as to, so this, this was clearly refused and it went to appeal uh, where it was allowed. It's now lapsed. Is that what we're saying? It was yes, it was allowed on appeal. Yeah. It's lapsed. It, it was allowed on appeal. It was outlined. It was allowed. We had the details following an outline were approved. It lapsed. 
Meanwhile, although this is material, but it, it is it's marginal weight, it is, it is a draft allocation of the emerging local plan. It's been reflected yeah. because I think at the same time. But and it is development in the countryside. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so, so my, my obvious thought is: so, so where does it end? So, we've, we saw the we saw the the picture, the live picture, and that's clearly open agricultural land. So, at what point do we stop having 13 followed by 13 followed by 13 followed by 13? So, I'm, I'm once again a bit broken record, but I'm minded to refuse because I think you're in the open countryside. It's outside development limits, I understand, uh, and it feels that there's no protection from just doing another, another close and another close and another close. Well, that you might you might say that that's. That doesn't set a precedent, but it seems to. We seem to be doing this quite often. Just to defend Clavering slightly here, Clavering have been hit with that. Clavering had a strips of land, one after the other, um, ending with this one, and that's the issue. This one was given permission. It frustrates me that it was never implemented. It would have made life a lot easier if it had just been implemented, then we wouldn't have to go through this discussion all over again. But the fact is, by the time there is a... You know, I'm not saying that there would be, necessarily won't be or will be a proposal coming next door, but if there was, we'd have to consider it as it stands. But this has planning history. The fact it's a draft allocation gives it some weight as well in terms of moving forward. The land next door isn't draft allocated, and so therefore we do need to bring control over this one. So, but we're not there. We can't prejudge it on that basis. Oh, oh, sorry, are we able to, to um, make any uh, allowances for the affordable housing, such as a cap on the price of affordable housing in this instance? Well, I think the affordable houses are going to be social housings to rent, not to sell. Oh, okay. Yeah, the way it works is 70, it'd be a 70, the usual rule of thumb is a 70-30 split in terms of percentages, with 70% uh, of them being um, affordable rent mm. and the 30% being uh, shared, shared ownership up to staircase. So you can never get to own them. Um, you can only contribute to them, to giving you equity to move on. It's just that I'm, I'm sorry... Chairman, I'm just reading provision of six affordable homes. So I've got a specific number of affordable homes. It's not saying rental. Is that what we're getting? Six affordable homes? Yep. So the six affordable homes, yep. and then that would be split in accordance with the Housing Enabling Officer's comments, in which case that would be two houses would be shared ownership and the remainder affordable rent. Right, OK. Thank you. Councillor Gerard. Thank you, Chair. Um, are we not running the risk here of running into another white ditch lane situation in Newport? Um, it looks to me like the Stortford Road is creeping along a bit like white ditch lane, and we possibly may have a cumulative impact situation here. Um, I do agree that at some point there has to be a point where this stops. Um, there is some weight, I understand, in terms of the emerging plan still for the next few days. Um, but I, I believe that there is a point at which this sort of thing needs to be looked at as, as a cumulative impact issue. Um, can I just ask Mr Brown to clarify that, please? Can I just add, the biggest material consideration here is the planning history of the site. This has been allowed on appeal in 2014. In 2014, we had a five-year land supply. We were, we were, you know, we were, you know, 
cigar out, we were out of five-year land supply, and yet then, in 2014, this was considered an acceptable site for development. The only difference now is, it's exactly the same site, but the things that have changed, it depends when the appeal's heard, whether whether the draft allocation will have some weight. The thing that's changed is, we haven't got a five-year land supply. So if it was allowed in 2014, the circumstances have changed more in favour of this development moving forward in terms of appeal. So members would be somewhat foolhardy to kick against that. I thoroughly understand members' concerns about moving this forward. This particular developer, this particular landowner does it like this. Boom, 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 boom. He's also done it in the... I would also suggest that he has been doing it in the past with groups of 14, groups of 14, and the magic called 14 is a slightly obscene number anyway because it's just under the affordable housing. But we have... We have caught him, the same owner is breaking the land up in separate chunks. That is why you've got affordable housing of this amount on 14 houses. And that is slowing it down in terms of the delivery. Because if, it goes ne- if he comes in with a development, I'm not saying necessarily we would support it, but if we did, it would be caught as an additional units to do with this. So we are getting affordable housing as part of this proposal as well, because it's the second or third phase of the previous developments as well. So, but an inspector has already allowed this development when we, did, when we had a five-year land supply. It would be seriously dangerous to refuse it now. Later developments, they haven't been approved, and we would need to consider those on those merits. Councillor Freeman. Yes, thank you, Chairman. Uh, the fact that the, uh, this had, site had, had consent, but for whatever reason the developer chose not to use it, and then comes back now, uh, it speaks quite loudly to me, and it does concern me that we have plenty of examples around Uttlesford, we've Many of us have sat through them, where there's been a little bit, and then a little bit more, and a little bit more, and a little bit more, uh, and you end up with a complete mess. Uh, in the absence of a master plan, you just keep on granting things sequentially, one after another. Uh, and so, okay, in 2014, it was granted on appeal. That was with one inspector. In 2019 or 2020, it might not be granted on appeal by a different inspector. Inspectors are like judges. They form opinions and come forward. And also the planning laws change. So my instinct on this, and it's based upon the fact that this seems to be a ploy, a strategy uh, in this case, uh, would be to not grant planning consent. And okay, if you take it to appeal, so be it. Uh, I'm not sure perhaps the officers can advise how grave the consequences would be of us having to fight an appeal on this. It's not as if we're dealing with a multi-million pound operation and where every day of holding up the consent uh, could be uh, deemed to have damages against us or some sort of lost value against us. This is 13 houses. So perhaps you could advise us on what the consequences would be of actually refusing this application. Consequences would be, I would suggest, almost certainly an allowed appeal. I, I would, I would really water down what you've just said about inspectors. Members, mem, inspectors can change with the wind, but I think the fact that this site has already been granted planning permission and the same discussions are as previously, is, is, you know, there's a certainty there. We would be considered to be acting potentially unreasonable, and so there was a particular costs award against us on that basis. 
We would also have to spend money in terms of actually defending the appeal or trying to find someone to defend the appeal as well, which I think is somewhat dangerous. And I would also suggest that our five-year land supply would also go backwards. Um, because you know, this was part of those sites that we were considering in the past as being part of our five-year land supply. They're not at the moment because it's lapsed, but this was part of our five-year land supply. So we should be maintaining and added to our five-year land supply, not make it go backwards. So I think it would be extremely foolhardy for members to refuse it on those bases, bearing in mind what we've had. You cannot dismiss history as not being, and it's very recent history, this is not approval way back in the 80s or something. This is something that's very, very recent. In the same local plan climate, the only thing that's changed is the five-year land supply. Councillor Storer. Thank you, Chair. I'd just like to endorse the views of Mr Brown, totally. Uh, history, in my experience with regard to planning inspectors, is that they tend not to disagree openly with one another, They'll never ad admit that one of them was wrong. And given such a recent history, I think that would be a dangerous ploy in, in this instance. And certainly with regard to the five-year land supply, if we lost an appeal on the site with a five-year land supply, in my view, we have no chance without one. And we have, I think, about three-year supply at the moment. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. Uh, Councillor Gerard. Thank you very much, Chair. Um, Yes, whilst I appreciate always the, the comments from fellow councillors and particularly councillor Storer, um, did we not argue policy a, a few weeks ago and stick to policy in terms of how we make decisions? And if this is contrary to policy, S7 particularly I would suggest, then surely we must do what we say we do, which is to look at policy, read it out, go through the detail, like we did recently in another application, I think it was in Rickling, and we stick to policy. Um, whilst, you know, in 2014 a decision was made at appeal, circumstances were different, there was a bus service, there isn't now, that is a factor, maybe it's material, maybe it's not, we have to consider that of course, but we do have policy, which is S7. We do appreciate that there is this has lapsed and it's still in the emerging plan, but the emerging plan has, one would argue then, limited weight also. So what I'm trying to say to, to fellow members here is, at what point do we not stop looking at policy and start being driven by what might happen? Any further comment? Um, I, I would just comment that um, I feel that it is dangerous to, that we don't want further spread on any of these types of um, planning um, applications. But I do feel on this one, <coughs> it, was, it was one on appeal, and uh, I think we need, I would support, I think I will support this um, application. Um, but I do understand that it, 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 all these applications do lead, lead us open to further ones down the road. I don't really know the answer to that, but in this particular case, I think I would support the application on the grounds that it has been one at appeal and then a further application was passed. Sorry, just one final comment. I just wanted to reiterate. I, I support Councillor Freeman in his view, uh, and regarding the, the land supply, clearly the, the, uh, the site was given approval five years ago, 
and there's not a single house on that site. So if, if you just re-approve and they still don't develop, I'm not sure how that helps us in our land supply anyway. So they've clearly got history of not developing, so there does seem to be a reason for that. So I'd, I'd be minded to refuse this one. Do I have any proposals on this uh, planning application, please? Councillor Stora. Chair, I propose approval. I have a proposal for approval. Do I have a seconder I for second approval? That. I have a seconder for approval. Are there any other comments before I put it to the meeting? In which case, that all those in favour of recommending this planning application, please show. All those against? Hang on, can we have a number on that? Oh, yeah. I think Five. there's four. Four in favour, yeah. yeah. In that case, that recommend Sorry, that. No, Any abstentions? Sorry, Sorry. Sorry, I stopped that because I, I think it's important because it was obviously going to be close and so we need to know the number. Right, we'll so, start, so, I so, will start again. Yeah. Those in favour of recommendation, please show. Those against? Abstentions? That application has been refused. No, it hasn't. We now need a proposal for refusal. And members need to be aware that this, this is a very, very dangerous decision. I like to propose refusal, and I believe we are looking at clean S7. If Mr. Brown could just clarify for me, please because you're creating a refusal reason out of nothing here. It's an S7. You're saying this is outside the... Outside the this is a harm to the countryside, S7. My colleagues can tell me otherwise. I believe it is. And can I, I provide... At ...the refusal reason regarding affordable housing and loss of the affordable housing as well. I would suggest that we have been with that, that has been something that we've negotiated in as part of the proposal, but that was accepted in the previous, that wasn't discussed as part of the appeal because the appeal was discussed. So we are considering the affordable housing proposal here, and if you're refusing this, you're losing the affordable housing, but an inspector may not take the same view in allowing the appeal regarding the affordable housing. Yeah, it's only there if it's built. <laughs> no, but it won't be there if the inspector's approves uh, it without the affordable housing. So, 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 so I'm, I'm happy to uh, include that as well. Yeah. Um, as I said, it's only there if it's built. Councillor? I, I, I was going to second that, but I think uh, Mr Brown's jumping the gun because we haven't yet refused it and we also haven't had an appeal yet. So I have to warn you before you make the decision. I understand that. Uh, and I, I, Do I have a seconder for that? Yes. Those in favour of refusal, please show. Those against refusal, please show. Abstentions. One abstention. Can you tell me what those numbers were? Five in favour of a refusal, four against six, and one abstention. So that's a refuse. That application has been refused.
Thank you, Chair. This full application relates to the construction of eight apartments, the relocation of a dwelling, namely Unit 25, previously approved for this housing redevelopment site, and the relocation of a window for Unit 25, and represents a revised application to the 2017 approved housing scheme for the southern end of the site. The revised scheme is now submitted through the introduction of apartments at the site in lieu of dwellings as previously approved, represents an increase of four new residential units over and above the amount of units approved for the site overall under the previous permission. And this gives you the layout for the proposed apartments which is on the right hand side of your screen um, and it relates to this new apartment block here running off the existing access road into the site and the existing as-built dwellings are here and there's also the conversion of the existing heritage block uh, along here. The, no, that's better. the proposed apartments would comprise seven uh, times two bed storey units and one times one bed two storey unit as itemised in the report schedule. The apartments would have a design and appearance which would match those of the dwellings already built at the northern end of the site and would be served by dedicated parking in the form of both hard standing and covered parking spaces as shown on the submitted layout drawing just seen. The application is accompanied by a design and access statement and a heritage statement which informs the revised housing proposal where I'll read the design and access statement. This planning application looks to retain the scale, massing and architectural identity of the current approved scheme whilst providing a mix of accommodation more in line with current local housing needs. The proposed dwellings will provide much needed housing to the local area and make a positive contribution to the accommodation mix within the wider site. Full consideration has been given to the provision of car parking, highway safety, neighbouring properties and design and it is with this in mind that we feel the scheme fully complies with the local planning policies and the MPPF and hope it can be supported by Uttersford District Council. Uh, this is, by the way, the uh, frontage elevation to the scheme, showing the proposed units with high uh, pitched roofs. And this is the rear elevation, and this is the floor plan layout. Just to show you the pictures, you're now looking at the southern end of the site, which is where the as-built dwellings are. And if we move around the site nearest to the, the main road, you can see the uh, converted buildings on the right-hand side. Yep. Okay. Um, whilst it's recognised that the available shared amenity space for the eight apartments, as shown, would not fully comply with Essex design standards, the applicant has made the case in mitigation that the site is located within a very sustainable location within Thaxted Village, which has walkway connectivity through the site to the village centre, whereby the intended occupants would be a mixture of downsizers and first-time buyers who would not necessarily require a larger amenity space. It is considered in this instance that appropriate justification exists in planning terms for this reduction in on-site communal amenity space, 
whereby the sustainability credentials for the site are material consideration with regard to the planning merits of this proposal. In terms of heritage impact, it is the case that the amount of footprint taken up by the proposed apartments and associated garden amenity space for this part of the site would remain essentially the same as approved under the previous application as approved by way of site layout comparison, given the fact that the apartments would be positioned over the current approved scheme layout. So in this context, uh, it is based on more or less the same footprint uh, as seen. So with reference with the comments from Heritage uh, Place Services, it is considered that the proposed specification change from dwellings as approved to apartments as proposed would not lead to site saturation of built form and hard standings leading to overdevelopment or cause detriment to the local character and interest of Thaxted as advised, whereby it has been assessed by officers that any additional heritage impacts arising from the current application would be negligible. In conclusion, the revised scheme as submitted, introducing apartments at the site in substitution for dwellings as previously approved, is acceptable in principle and in terms of detailed considerations as referenced in the report before you, subject to the satisfactory completion of a varied 106 legal agreement relating to this previously approved housing site with specific reference to provision of education, financial contributions, provision and transfer of open space and the maintenance of a sustainable drainage system with the applicant to pay the council's reasonable costs. It is therefore recommended, Chair, that the application be approved. I don't have any um, speakers on this point, so can I throw this open to the meeting of Councillor Freeman, please? Thank you, Chair. I know the site, and I think the development is, is very good, uh, and it's certainly sustainable. We've got two pubs within about 50 yards of the front door, uh, so lots of ticks in boxes for that. It is an opportunity, Chairman, for us to ask that for these new eight dwellings, they've yet to be built, is that uh, charging points are put in for electrical vehicles. Of course, this is government policy now, not necessarily to do it with buildings, but it's government policy that we have electrically powered vehicles. It's part of uh, the future plans for getting the carbon footprint of the town, of the country, down. Uh, and these are difficult to retros retrofit but when you're building new builds, you can easily put at least the ducts in, if not the cables. Otherwise, you have to dig up roads and things, and that's an absurdity. Now, the planning consent originally was made in 2017, and it was not a requirement then. But I suggest that we make it a requirement of these eight dwellings. They're apartments. They're very good uh, to have apartments. There's a huge shortage of them. But I think it's an opportunity which we should not miss, and we should almost have it as policy uh, when uh, a matter comes back before this committee for modification that we say well actually charging points for electrically powered vehicles is now uh, a principle of this district council thank you thank you um, yeah I, can we make that a condition I, you know I, I quite agree with, with, with that I think we do need to look at that on all planning matters really yes sure um, in fact I've gone back to the, the applicant on that very issue um, as requested and we've received an email 
only uh, yesterday, and I'll just quote it because it's interesting to say that uh, um, I've spoken with the client regarding the car charging points as requested, and for the dwellings currently being constructed, uh, they are unfortunately too far down uh, the line to be incorporated. Um, however, they are easily retrofitted for those with adjacent parking spaces to the dwellings. Uh, regards to the apartments, so this current uh, revised scheme, uh, uh, they confirm they are able to accommodate charging points for the ground floor ones should any purchases require one. However, as you can imagine, providing a percentage selection is a bit hit and miss with regards to its purchases requirements. However, we feel that providing the infrastructure uh, for the ground floor units will provide maximum flexibility. Councillor Gerard. Thank you, Chair. Um, yes, I fully support Councillor Freeman on, on that, and I think, and yourself also on that. I think that's a really good idea. Just to clarify, um, if, if, if you could, um, in terms of the um, out, provision of outdoor space, I noticed that obviously in the 106 proposal is provision for transfer of open space. Is that the same as the comments made by the Parish Council in terms of provision of individual outdoor space? Is that covered in that, um, in that provision? Um, well, we've got a situation where these are uh, apartments, uh, and so the, the outdoor space, uh, in, in terms of the amenity space for the dwellings, is here, and also for the uh, individual, um, individual ground floor units. Um, now, they, they are the shared amenity space, um, I'm not actually sure what that is in terms of the, the transfer of open space. I don't think it's the same because uh, this is to do with the um, standards for, for apartments. Um, in terms of any other space which is available, uh, we've got uh, the top right-hand corner which is um, space to be uh, transferred across. Um, so I need to, to clarify on that. Um, I, the reason I mention it, obviously, is that you know, people that live in apartments still need to have access to open space, uh, whether it be a garden, which sometimes you can get. Um, but um, I just want to make sure that we are providing, as requested, as suggested and requested by the Parish Council, for those open... And I just wanted to clarify whether or not you know, we are actually going to make sure that there is open space, which it, obviously this is full application, so... We, it's not outlined, it's full, so we just need to make sure that it's in there, and if it's not in there, I would propose that we try and insert something to make sure it's there. Yeah, continue your microphone. Just to pick up the issue, that the, obviously the, the parish have picked up the fact that there's a lack of individual amenity space for each individual unit, but therefore it needs to be supplemented by the open space, which is already provided by the scheme. So the, the actual scheme does provide an open space pr provision, and that this needs to contribute towards that as well, which is probably an extra contribution as part of that 106. And secondly, there's the issue about the, the proximity to, to facilities within the, within the village as well. So I think the answer to your question is yes, there is open space provided as part of the scheme, which supplements the, slight the slightly lower amount of amenity space. It's always an issue with apartments, isn't it? And so therefore they will have, they will have it's slightly short on the apartments house space, amenity space, but that's also supplemented by the fact there's open space on the site as well. Councillor Bagnall. Can I just pick up on that? So I'm just reading through the detail. So the Essex Design Guide 
uh, adds it up to 375 square metres is what they should have as a shared space. Uh, and you're saying this slightly reduced amount uh, is actually 190, which is 50% of what it should have. So it's not slightly reduced, to be fair. I think it's, it's half of what they should have. So it, according to the notes, the design guide recommends 25 square metres per single bedroom flat. Uh, and then it, it talks about, obviously, they're two bedrooms, with the exception of one. But then they add it up as 375 square metres to comply with a minimum standard. Uh, and you're showing us a drawing that's got 190 square metres. So we, we need to be clear that it's half of what it should be. Neither slightly or half, it's somewhere in between. I think you're over-egging it by saying it's half short, and I'm over-egging it by saying it's slightly. It is for sh it is, you've just told us the, the sheer figures of how much it's down, yeah. So you, you think... 190 versus 375 is slight. No, I'm saying it's not, but it's not half. That's all I'm saying is. <laughs> it is. You said what the figures are, yeah. but we've also said that is the case. Members are now informed about what that is, that is in it. That is in the report, but the issue is in, in to counteract there is open space provided and it is close to facilities within the village as well. So therefore, that is, that is the counterbalance. And also there's... Sorry, where's the... So you're saying there's a shared, a shared space and an open space? There's an open space within this, within this development. Yeah, which is the shared space for those... No, there's, there's two different things. Right, there's okay. an open so space... Could you on show me? That's where Clive's probably trying to so remember that. So the top right, I'm assuming, is the shared space for those apartments. Yeah, I haven't got it on the screen by way of comparison, but the, the approved layout for the 2017 scheme, which was for all dwellings, so both on the left-hand side of the site and the right-hand, which is now proposed for apartments, um, the only way I can do it is to show that um, you've got this open space here and here and in here, which... If I go to the, pho the photos, yeah, it doesn't quite show it, but beyond, uh, beyond this side of the, the site, so going to the back of the site where you can see the, um, the heritage dwellings, if I go then back to the layout, it's all of this here, which is um, green, greenery uh, maintained space, and also in here as well. So the, the two green areas here, either side of going through uh, from one side to the other. So that's the maintained public open space by, um, by agreement. Then you've got the uh, communal private amenity space, which is down here. And just to add to what uh, Nigel was saying, uh, in my report, and as it's said by the, uh, the applicant, by the developer, uh, you have the, uh, the 190 square metres, which is this shared amenity space here. But on the four ground floor units, you've got an additional what's called... Um, defensive space, so um, uh, just for those four apartments, uh, whereby that takes it up to a gross 
minister space of 262 square metres, as I've mentioned at paragraph um, uh, 11.4 in the report there. So it's a difference between 375 square metres as required under the SS design uh, guide standards and actually 262 square metres. How can we get to the right amount of space? Uh, simply to reduce the number of apartments. Members, this is, they are delivering on this site exactly what members are pleading for. That's what they're providing, eight of them. This is additional developments on a site that is ad I would say potentially one of the best developments in the district that's currently being developed at the moment. So don't come up with, so therefore, and it's within the middle of a conservation area, so therefore there are constraints. It's conservation, it's one of our best conservation areas. It is absolutely, so it's conservation-led in terms of how it's worn, in terms of development coming out of the ground. So therefore, that's not come up with problems why we can't approve it. Um, this is an application where it's not quite, whether it's not quite, whether it's half, we're talking about amount of amenity space that's not quite there. And, um, but there is other compensatory facilities within that site as well. But, that, but the bottom line is this is providing eight apartments of a suitable size. So let's not try to find problems with it, even if there are things that aren't quite perfect with it. And, and I think that is, that is what the plea is. But the fact is, in order to make it right, reduce the dwellings. Yes, that is the solution, but that is less apartments than what we're providing. Is that really what members want to do? So that's a plea. I, I, I think... To be fair, Mr. Brown, I think this committee is here to do exactly that. So we should be asking questions. So uh, the, the site was approved in 2017. It didn't originally have apartments, did it? That's only because people have said we need apartments. We don't want more four-bed houses. So I don't think we can. Uh, I don't think we can be criticised for for asking for better amenity space for the people that will buy those apartments. And I'm assuming that Essex have a design statement for a reason and the numbers are there for a reason. So for us to just halve them without proper consideration wouldn't be right. I'll just clarify the Essex design issues. The Council has not adopted the Essex design guide. The Essex design guide includes the whole of Essex, which includes places that aren't very much like Thaxted in terms of development. That's why we haven't. And we're bringing forward local Uttlesford-centric parts of that Essex design guide before we actually formally adopt it. Those standards are blind standards, but they have to be put in the context of the design of the scheme. And this is a very, very good award-winning scheme in terms of moving forward and to allow eight more to go on there. Now, my, my exasperation was not you questioning the amenity space. It was the factors, reduce the dwellings, great. That's a way forward, isn't it? It's not, because this has to be able to work financially for the developer and make it eight to eight apartments. Councillor Fairhurst. I don't want to labour the point. There are a couple of points. First of all, we haven't adopted the Essex um, style guide, but let's understand that the Essex guide, style guide is a minimum. It's not the average. We're not even making the minimum here. Let's just, let's be, I, I'm, I'm sorry, but I want to respond. To, I'm, are we entitled, this is what you're supposed to be doing here. We can have a debate if you like. 
I think it's a great idea. I think it's a great development. I mean, mind to support it, but there is, a, there is a principle here as well. And that is we should be trying as far as we can to at least achieve the minimums that regard, are required throughout Essex. So I'd be happy to propose acceptance of the scheme, but that does not mean that it's perfect or that we shouldn't at least try at all times to do so. Otherwise, we can, put another, we can squeeze another two apartments in there, if we like, maybe three. Maybe we can put a better high-rise apartment in the front. Any further? Councillor Sorry, Bacon? I finish. I'm, I'm on to parking now, so I'm, I'm intrigued. Is there, what's the provision for parking? Because I've got visitor parking written down here. Um, so what's the actual provision? Yeah, the provision, well, it's parking compliant with the, the standards. Um, you've got a mixture of hard standing parking here and here, and you've got undercroft parking in here and here. Sorry, I'm talking about the apartments. They're at the top right, yeah? Uh, no, th this is the apartment block here. Right, okay. So this, this is the application site for the purposes of the... Um, site is dread and if you, if you go to the, the schedule in my report then you will see I've set out in there the, the parking ratios per apartment yep. relative to their, their bedroom sizes and you'll see from that that I've listed uh, the, the eight units from unit 26 down to unit 29A. And the parking spaces provided are on the, the right-hand side of that uh, schedule relative to the, the bedroom unit. So in terms of meeting the uh, Essex County Council parking standards, the two bedroom units will have two parking spaces each and then the one-bedroom unit will have one parking space each, so that's the correct ratio. And then you've got um, visitor parking, which uh, by ratio you've got uh, two, I believe, for the, this particular part of the site um, as a ratio of the site overall, which is also compliant with the parking standards. Maybe I've misread this, because it says about nine spaces with seven visitor spaces. Yep. Is, is, where's the nine? I don't see the nine. No, you won't, because that is across the site as a whole. So if I refer you to uh, the section under called Vehicle Parking Standards in the report, you'll see there I've mentioned, uh, quote-unquote, a revised total of 68 parking spaces has been provided across the wider development site overall. Yeah with nine of these spaces being visitor spaces, with seven visitor spaces being provided within the adjacent site area, so that's the, the new dwellings area, and the remaining two visitor spaces being required for the apartments, which would be standard compliant. So, sorry, I'm just a bit so how many parking spaces have we got for the apartments? Um, well, the two visitor spaces plus uh, the resident parking spaces, that's 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 15, 17 overall. Um, I don't, where are they? Can you show me on the plan? I don't yeah, hopefully it should be right. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Oops. I think we're going to get up to 8 or 9. 
Yep. Uh, sorry. Excuse me. Right. One, two, three, four, five, six. That's in the. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, and then you've got in the. Sorry, so they're all the way down. So there's the yeah, under, and then you've got the covered parking as well, as well right, which okay. is shown in the bottom of, in the, think, this picture. I think I'll get the numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, Councillor Count, please. I just really rather recommend approval. Councillor I'd Gerard. like to second that, please. Thank you. Any other questions before I put this to go? Um, to approve this application with conditions. Those in favour? Including the additional condition requested by Councillor. Yeah, including the additional conditions. Those in favour, please show. I think that's unanimous. Thank you. Chairman, just, just a, uh, an idea. Should we not consider doing seven and eight together? You can consider them together, but then obviously you may have to make a separate resolution on each, in each one. It saves Chris a bit of work. And, yeah. Okay. Uh, is, if the members are happy, I will take both those uh, number item seven and item eight together. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. The application site relates to a detached outbuilding located to the front of Hill House in the village of Quendon. The building is constructed of brick and flint under a plain tiled roof. Access to the site is via the existing private driveway from the highway. Uh, the building is curtilage listed to the adjacent listed building. This slide shows the existing building. Uh, as you can see, at the moment, there's no first floor layout. This photo demonstrates the existing building. This application seeks planning permission and listed building consent for the conversion and change of use of the building to a single one-bedroom dwelling. The proposal includes a single-storey extension, alterations, first-floor habitable accommodation, introduction of windows, new access and gates. This slide shows the proposed and uh, sorry this slide shows the building and proposed uh, div um, division of the site. The extension to the building is outlined in red. The proposed and existing uh, access points are also pointed out. Twelve letters of objection have been received. Uh, the details of these have been summarised in the committee report. 
The Parish Council have made objections in regard to loss of privacy to the neighbouring properties and loss of the established wall to the new access. This slide demonstrates the building as proposed. A new first floor accommodation is included. The extension is considered of a subservient scale. The alterations and work to the building are appropriate in the character of the site and its surroundings. The proposed traditional form and use of materials positively contribute to the character of the conservation area. No objections have been made by the conservation officer subject to conditions. No objections have been made by the ecology officer. New windows are proposed to the first floor. These windows have been highlighted in yellow on the plan uh, and could result in some loss of privacy and overlooking to the neighbouring property. However, these will be set 1.6 metres above floor level. Also, a condition for obscure glazing has been recommended. As such, it is considered these first floor windows will not result in any significant loss of privacy that will be harmful to the neighbouring property. This uh, photo is taken from the ground floor side window at eye level. It's considered this will not result in any uh, loss of privacy to the neighbouring property. This photo is from the position of the front ground floor uh, window in the extension. Again, it's uh, considered the proposal will not result in any loss of privacy. It's also noted that a condition is proposed for the introduction of landscaping specifically to the boundary treatment between the building and the neighbouring property. The building is currently used as ancillary use to the main dwelling uh, and could be used as an annex, home office or workshop. As such, it's considered that the use as a one-bedroom dwelling would not result in such an intensification of use of the site that would be harmful to the neighbouring properties or will cause significant noise or disturbance. The drawing at the top of the uh, slide is of the proposed gates. These will be timber construction and set back six metres from the highways. Uh, the photo includes the location of the gates. Uh, no objections have been made by the highway authority subject to conditions. The proposal will include the loss of some of the front wall, however this is not listed, and the conservation officer has confirmed no objections are raised. The uh, surrounding character of the area includes a number of different types of gates, accesses and brown, uh, boundary treatments. As such, the proposal will be in character with the surrounding area and street scene. Uh, taking into consideration the details set out in the committee report, the proposal is considered to be in accordance with local and national planning policies and the recommendation of approval of the planning permission and listed building consent subject to conditions. Um, I have three speakers. Um, first of all, Councillor Hargreaves, please. Chairman, can I just clarify both... <laughs> Carry on, sorry, Council. Both, both sets of speakers have, have registered to speak on both applications. So 
I'm assuming is as you're only speaking once and I'm going to say you're going to speak are you specifically on the planning application it's the overlooking issue I assume or are you going to want I'm more than I'm particularly on the planning application uh, the resident of the old pub next door is going to be speaking on the uh, on the overlooking yeah, so I think all I'm, what I'm boiling down to, do you need five or ten, is what I was going to ask. I think five will be enough. But yeah, it'll all come out to the agent commiserately at the end. Okay. So, 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 yeah, so I just all I wanted to clarify that. So. Okay, thank you. And, Chair, before I start, before the clock starts running, could I make a comment about the site visit arrangements? Uh, it was only because I intervened yesterday afternoon that the committee was, went to, this, to look at this at all. Obviously, if, if it's overlooking, a committee needs to see it. Uh, when I'm told when the committee arrived, they weren't even aware that they should go into the garden of the house next door. That was only done as a result of the resident spotting the, 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 the bus there. Uh, I don't think that was particularly good. And on, on the next application that's coming up, the Newport Bund, um, that one you have not been allowed to see at all. Again, that's an overlooking one, so that's an issue... Of, of, the, of the site visits. The first issue, apologies. The, 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 I think, I think, when, I think, there's, I think, once members went to this site, it's quite clear it should have been on the list. So that's that's my responsibility. Had it been set on the list, then the the neighbours would have been aware of the the timings, and so I appreciate that. Um, we were unaware that we were needed to be going next door, but once we met the neighbour next door, we willingly went next door. Um, the, the White Ditch Lane, well, obviously, that's a discussion for the next meeting. For the, sorry, Brary Water Lane is a discussion for the next discussion, not this one here. And it's not a case of you haven't been allowed to go there. It's a case of that, oh, well, I made a decision that it probably wasn't necessary. But you will be able to make that decision next, won't you? So, so therefore, I was, it's no case of you can go to whatever site you want to go to, but I'm just, so it's not a case of not allowing you. But on Quendon, apologies, it probably should have been on the list, and, and that's my responsibility. Um, I, I can say, Mr. Brown did talk to me about this and uh, phoned me at the last minute and uh, we, he did sincerely apologise and we visited, Julie visited this morning and we went into the neighbour's garden for the overlooking. Good. Excellent. Right. Okay. I'm off. Um, the, this um, building itself uh, is, um, I think it's quite unusual. Uh, it is um, this flint and brick building viewed from there. Uh, that's, that's the view you see looking up the existing drive from the road. It, it, it's the size, orientation, possibly building construction. It, look, it could even be a Saxon chapel. It's not a Saxon chapel. It might be 18th century. It might be, uh, it might be older. Uh, described as a barn, uh, a barn round here really is a wooden structure, black painted. It's a storage building of some sort, but it is quite unusual. The surrounding buildings are the Georgian timber frame buildings. It is listed by virtue of, its, of where it is in the, the curtilage. Uh, it is quite something, I wouldn't say it's exceptional, but it is quite special. This is an increase of, a very substantial increase to the size of the building, quite a substantial alteration to the building. Uh, and I think um, this building, personally, I think it probably deserves some further investigation to see exactly what it was for and, and, and how old it really is. Um, there's a comment in the officer's report that um, it being in poor condition is a reason to support the application. I would strongly dispute that. Uh, MPPF 191 says, I paraphrase, if you don't look after your building, then uh, not looking after it is not a reason why we should 
give a permission, planning commission, obviously common sense says you don't reward people who don't look after, after their buildings. Um, that's the building itself. Uh, a particular concern is the alteration to the street scene. Um, the conservation, it's in the conservation area and the conservation report uh, is quite particular about all of that street scene all the way along there. It is absolutely magnificent. I've walked along there many times knocking on doors and leafleting. Uh, it varies from uh, the flint walls with the railings, the hedges. There's another wall further down which has got white fencing above it. It is varied. It is attractive. Uh, it is actually quite special. Um, the, the conservation area appraisal says this intermixing has helped to define the particular character of Quendon and Rickling where the village abuts the main road. Now, what you didn't see on those photographs is that there is already an access into here and you've got a very grand access to the building, up, the new building up, up at the top and that is all symmetrical. It's in the middle of this run of, of wall, uh, iron railings and hedge. This application the access is already out through, through the, the, the entrance that's there. This application would create a whole brand new access and a very grand access. You look at the scale of the thing that's proposed compared with the scale of the building, uh, cutting straight into that, uh, creating another access right next to the access that's already there. So it will be damaging the symmetry of what's there. It will be damaging, I think, the, the general street, the amenity of the street view and it's just unnecessary. Uh, I suspect the only reason it's being done is so the plot can be subdivided and sold off to, to greater profit. Obviously, the profit margin has nothing to do with the, the, the council. Um, but it seems to me, if you were even minded, uh, when you've looked at the overshadowing, the overlooking, to approve this, but to approve it with a further access, doing, I think, making damaging that street scene, uh, I think is ill-advised. And therefore, I think... Uh, it, it should just use the existing very grand access uh, that, that is there. Um, I think really that is all I needed to, needed to say. Thank you very much. Thank you. I now call upon Carrie Williams. Sorry, it's, it, yes, it's, it's the same question as I asked Councillor Hargreaves. So yeah, you're doing both, but I think flexibility around the three yeah. minutes probably if it takes you, you a bit longer. You do have three minutes, but if you take a little longer, that's okay. But if it goes on for after six minutes, I might stop you. I think I'll be fine, thank you. <laughs> so thank you for the opportunity to speak. I am Carrie Williams. I recently joined the Quendon and Rickling Parish Council, but I'm here as a member of the public. I live at the Old King's Head in close proximity to the application site, and I am representing all resident respondents, some of whom are here today. Having heard Mr. Hargreaves' points covering the many reasons why these applications should have been refused by the planning officer, I wish to reiterate the following material concerns which I don't believe have been adequately considered from the residents' point of view. Policy Gen 2, all criteria are not met, specifically paragraphs B, F and I. There is a materially adverse effect on the reasonable occupation, etc., of the nearby dwellings. 
The four-meter private space that guidelines stipulate encompasses all of the garden at the Old King's Head, and the 25-meter back-to-back guideline in the Essex design statement has been ignored. The intention of this should be enforced in this context as these structures predate any guidance or policies, and given there doesn't seem to be any other way of determining this. The officer has made no reference to this important material fact in his report. The window frosting recommended doesn't allow for the fact that there are a further three windows and one front door and the amenity space all face towards the old king's head. Frosting of below eye level windows is irrelevant when the windows are open. The planning officer advised that no weight can be given to the hedge that is between the application site and the old king's head at a site visit. So I was surprised that he's relied on this in his list of recommendations in paragraph 11.27. The flint wall that is slowly being damaged by the hedging roots is also hardly a privacy screen as it only stands one meter above the ground level. Encouraging more established vegetation along this boundary is an ill-advised recommendation. Removing the established screen hedge on the road frontage for the new access is alarming as this is an identified important open space in the Quendon and Rickling Conservation Area appraisal. This also affords other neighbouring properties privacy and protection from the not insignificant light pollution already described in our letters. Policy H6. I believe the applications contravene the final paragraph of this policy. Surely extending any footprint by 50% is significant. Policy ENV1. The applications do not fulfill these objectives in our view. Further, the recommendation by the most senior conservative officer that has looked at this case, as far as I can tell, for specialist ecological advice submitted in response to the listed building application has also been ignored. The points previously mentioned in respect of the inappropriate and unnecessary access are pertinent here as well. Policy Gen 4. The level of domestic noise experienced currently is the occasional lawnmower in the summer. Therefore, the applications can only result in significant increase in noise and light pollution, as mentioned in in objection letters. In short, we do not feel that the protective objectives set out in policy S7 have been given enough consideration or weighting, nor any of the specific policies mentioned today in relation to the existing residents. It is simply unacceptable that our human right to to privacy and enjoyment of our own homes is seemingly outweighed by an unjust and unfounded presumption that this tiny house in some way helps ease a housing shortage, among other spurious arguments. We are therefore grateful for your consideration and would like to urge the committee to refuse the applications. Thank you. Thank you. I now call upon um, Ian Abrahams, the agent, and I think, Ian, you have eight. Eight, between eight and nine minutes. Thank you. Good afternoon. My name is Ian Abrahams. I'm the architect for this project. <clears throat> the planning listing applications before you relate to the Kirchhoff listed barn in the grounds of Hill House to a one-bedroom detached dwelling. The existing barn is of brick and flint construction under a plain clay, steeply pitched tiled roof. The alterations include a small single-storey side extension measuring approximately 4.2 by 3 metres externally. 
The extension is finished with clay plain tiles on a traditional steeply pitched roof. Externally, the walls are finished with a bead moulded painted horizontal timber boarding to enhance the setting of the original flint and brick building. The finished floor level of the extension, as you saw on site this morning, is set 400mm lower than the existing barn. This makes good use of the changing levels across the site. It also allows for the reintroduction in part of the front first floor gable window while reducing the impact of the roof on the existing barn structure, making it subservient to the original building. The proposals have the approval of your conservation officer. This is a small one-bedroom property that is in short supply of the housing stock in the district. The housing supply remains under five years and is therefore a material consideration. It makes the best use of a brownfield site and an existing building that is surplus to requirements in its present use. It comprises a sitting room on the ground floor, including the staircase to the first floor, small kitchen and cloakroom in the proposed extension. On the first floor, there is a single double bedroom and a small ensuite shower room. The proposed alterations require only two new openings in the existing fabric, one forming the access to the proposed extension and the other in the form of a roof light, a conservation style roof light. Other windows used take advantage of the existing openings in the barn. There will be no overlooking on the adjacent properties as noted in your officer's report. The windows on the boundary at first floor level, the sill height is of 1.6 metres. A new vehicle access is proposed from Cambridge Road. The proposed access and parking facilities comply with the relevant requirements from Essex County Council Highways Department. There's also the approval of your conservation officer in terms of forming the opening with the brick and flint wall and the railings of the, uh, to the front of the property. I consider the proposed barn conversion complies with all the relevant local planning policies and those of the MPPF. These are set out in the planning, uh, supporting planning statements uh, prepared by Lucy Carpenter submitted with the application. The building forms an integral part of the village, the conservation area and the setting of the surrounding listed buildings. Whilst only Kirchage listed, it is of historic and architectural and group value. The proposed conversion works respect this character, enhance the character and the appearance of the conservation area and will ensure the retention of the building in the long term and the contribution it makes to the village street scene. The plan and listed building applications before you have been recommended for approval by your planning and conservation officers. I therefore ask that you follow your officer's recommendation and grant plan permission and listed building consent for this project. Thank you. Thank you. Councillor Hargreaves, you're happy now that you don't need to speak again. You can if you like. Can you come sit down? The statement has been made that the Conservation Officer, it was placed services, it wasn't the Essex one, uh, the UDC one, has approved the, uh, um, is okay with the access onto the road. Uh, there's no actual evidence of anything actually on the, it's in the officer's report, but it's, there's no evidence of anything coming back from the, the officer. It wasn't in the, her first report, which finished with just one incomplete sentence that didn't make sense. It strikes me as possible they didn't even consider it to start with, and then maybe there's been a phone call and they just said, oh, well, it's all right. But there's no actual documentation from the, that officer that they have actually looked at it, considered it, 
There's nothing there. It's just a statement in the officer's report, uh, unless I've missed something on the website. Thank you. And in, fa in fairness, uh, have you any... Yeah. Thank you, Chair. This was actually uh, picked up with uh, Councillor Hargreaves as we discussed over the phone about this uh, issue. Um, and it was that we had to go back and check with the Conservation Officer that they didn't have any issues with the proposed access. And it was confirmed in writing that they have no material uh, objections. I'll throw that open to the committee now. Uh, Councillor Storer. Thank you, Chair. Um, two interrelated points, if I may. Um, one relating to paragraph 9.1 of the report. And forgive me, I was just trying to check if, if it carries through into the conditions. It's the final sentence. Reason to ensure that vehicles can enter and leave the highway in a controlled manner in the interest of highway safety. I would hope, sincerely hope, that that always happens in every case, no matter where. But if that's carried through in a, into a condition, and I ask the question if, if it is, should it be controlled manner or should it really be forward gear? Or the problem reverse. And the second related point on this issue is um, I do have a great deal of sympathy for Councillor Hargreaves' thoughts on the entrance uh, to the, the two properties in the context of the conservation area. Um, it would be, in my view, um, much more in keeping with it if, it was, if we didn't have, there wasn't to be a new access going through the hedge, but if somehow arrangements could be made to have a shared access. Thank you, Chair. Any, uh, Councillor Gerard? Can I, I totally agree with, Council, with you on that base. A control banner, you can sort of technically argue you can go backwards in a control banner. So um, <laughs> I don't know where that, or no highways are coming from on that one. It's a classified road, which you would, so we've got, adequate space on that site to turn around. So I would say, in a forward gear, I totally agree with you, that, that they should be pushing for... Yeah, I, 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 I've just only just spotted that bit, to be honest. So, so therefore, I think that as that condition goes forward, I, I suggest we put that in a forward gear rather than, rather than just in a controlled manner. It's bizarre. Mm -hmm. Councillor Gerard. Uh, thank you, Chair. Um, yeah, this is in my ward. I know the location very, very well, and um, obviously my co-counselor, Councillor Hargreaves, and I have, have uh, looked at this together, pounding the streets very recently. Um, we are obviously in a situation, quite rightly, as you know, we, we, we could possibly add one more house to our little village, and we could lose a Grade 2 listed building. Uh, and there are some who might argue that those counterbalance each other. I would argue that they don't. I would argue that the addition of one dwelling with a new access onto the main road um, is not enough to lose a Grade 2 listed building in a Type B village, contrary to our policy in our plan, 
our local plan, Gen 2, H6, and ENV1, and NPPF191. Um, plus, I would like to make a point that in the officer's report, they have missed out supplementary planning documents, Newport, Newport Quendon, Rickling, Emerging Neighbourhood Plan, where we are on the verge of submitting that. It is, I agree, of minimal weight, but it is nevertheless a relevant document. The existing Quendon Rickling Conservation Area appraisal 2015 is a relevant document, and this is contrary to that. So I would once again, I'd like to draw members' attention to the, the, the job that we have here of the balance. What, what do we consider is, is the correct tilted balance here? One more dwelling in a type B village, Quendon, or the retention of a grade two listed building. When it's gone, it's gone. If there was not the, uh, uh, the access issue, you, it may be a decision that you might think is, is, is not, not a hard one to make, but with access as well, cutting through onto this main road, in my opinion, it is, it is absolutely an issue of no. This is contrary to Gen 2, H6, ENV1, NPPF191, and I would propose that we refuse this application. Uh, just a couple of questions. I did hear from the, the uh, Mr. Abraham is it, um, that it's a brownfield site. It, the picture showed it as a, as a garden almost, so apologies because I couldn't be there on the site visit. Is it a brownfield site? Um, I wouldn't get preoccupied on that, to be honest, because it's totally irrelevant. But it is residential garden, counts as pre previously developed land. So, so therefore, under case law, uh, garden land can count as previously developed land. Um, right. But it's a garden. We all accept that. <laughs> I don't think it really well, changes that's, that's the issue. I think the, I think the pertinent points that Councillor Gerrard said are probably the right in terms of in the balance. Can I just, just correct, Councillor Gerrard? We're not losing the listed building. The listed building is a curtain listed building that's yeah. being converted. So I wouldn't get too caught up. Just, we're not losing it. <laughs> uh, one more question. Sorry. Chairman, one more question on that. Um, the conservation officer from Essex, did they actually come out and visit the site or was it a desktop exercise? I pretend, yeah, we're using the place services operate on a desktop or site visit. This I understand would have been a desktop exercise. I think exercise. When, when you're looking at yeah. listed building curtilage and stuff like that, I think someone ought to be coming out to mm. do that. I don't I, think they should be doing it from a mm. Google map. I think that this is, yeah, I would agree to be honest, okay. but that's where we are on this particular one. But yeah. I think for future future, it would be useful to call that out in the report. I don't think that's going to become an issue moving forward because our concept, we, you know, we are now in a process on new applications where our, our in-house conservation officer is being consulted and she will be visiting sites. Right. Okay. Are there any other... We've, we've had a proposal. Uh, Councillor Fairhurst. Happy to second. Can I... Sorry, can I just clarify the refusal reason? I'm going to talk you down from one of the policies. That's all I was going to say. Are they both the same or are we starting with one and the other? start with the planning application first. Yeah, um, I, sorry, <laughs> can I come back? The proposal is for number seven, the planning application. Yeah. Thank you. So on that basis, on, you're suggesting 
there has been no discussion about overlooking, so I'm assuming that's where you're coming from with Gen 2, but members need to make that assessment. Members haven't discussed Gen 2 or issues around it, but, but Gen 2 is the one to use if you want to... Do, uh, I'm I not going to feed you on that one. Discuss this. <laughs> I, I, concur with Councillor Hargreaves in yeah. my opening statement, but I can, guarantee, I can assure you that there is overlooking on this case. No, that's all I wanted to make quite, because obviously you're moving, if you're moving towards refusing, me, me, members have visited the site, assessed the situation, and yeah, but does, it's not, it shouldn't be a silent jump to Gen 2. You need to have that, that consideration. But Gen 2 would cover the issues over, over overshadowing, overbearing, all those issues. Um, M1 covers the conservation issue because it's the breakthrough of the conservation. I would be, you know, I would be a little bit, a little bit away from H6 in terms of rural conversions, because extensions can be allowed. And this is an, this is a Kirchner listed building, which, okay, notwithstanding the fact she hasn't visited the site, the the the, the place services have raised, you know, got no objections to the extension of the property. But I personally think, and this is picking up from where Council Argreed started in the beginning, Gen 2 overlooking. EMV1 impact on the conservation area, that would do it, to be quite frank. Uh, do we need NPPF 191? Deliberate negligence of damage to a heritage asset is not a reason to allow that to be taken into account in planning. Yes, that is part of the statement that we'll be putting in the defence of the appeal, um, because it's not a defence, I totally agree. That's not a message we want to be sending out. In that case, Chair, I'm happy to propose on Gen 2 and ENV 1. Okay. Thank you, Chair. Chair, I have to say I'm very, very dubious about Gen 2. It's possible, having seen the site this morning and from within the adjacent garden, that there could perhaps be argued to be an element of overlooking, but I would say that it's minimal and easily rectifiable by appropriate planting in either or both gardens, personally. So I don't see that. I'd be surprised and disappointed if that was seen as a showstopper in this instance. Thank you. Sorry. Councillor Sutton. Sorry. Um, no, no. We did actually... We did actually go into the garden and go quite to the back, and I really felt that that sort of illuminating, you know, quite high up in, in the look, uh, I do think that had a big effect, you know, not just planting, but just the fact the actual view, their, their skyline, their, their sky was taken up from that. Sorry, I just need to confirm that that is not necessarily over... I'm not no, trying no, to okay, not take away... No, sorry, I was just trying to say I didn't think it was a minimal <coughs> overlooking. I thought it was, myself personally, I thought it was quite, yeah. quite a large overlooking. But if, if you're looking at overlooking, you're going to look at specific windows, and I think Chris well, did go... Are, there are windows, windows, one of which are opaque well. glazed and one which is a ground window. But if you're looking Either at... Open. But what you've just described to me is not necessarily overlooking, okay. but more overbearing. If you feel that, you know, I know that's... Uh, all I'm saying is it's, it's specific overlooking issues. Members need to be clear back windows overlooking that part of the property. Even if it does, you also need to demonstrate that that causes um, you know, lack of enjoyment for the property. So, so, but Gen 2, you know, whether or not overlooking and overbearing could be helping in terms of it. This is not my view because I don't think there is that issue, but if members are of the view that there's overlooking and overbearing could help because it is up there, it is higher. And I think what you just described there was more overbearing than overlooking. Okay. Um, I, we, we have a proposal and we have a second. I'd just like to make a comment from the Chair. I don't usually do this, but it, it is a listed building and 
it seems to me it's just not used at the moment and if, if something doesn't happen to it it'll just stay there not being used and, and it's a beautiful building. The extension is reasonably in keeping with, with the building. My, my one criticism is I can't see why they can't use the existing drive. Um, you know, it seems to me, I know, it's, I know it's not a listed stone wall, but it's a beautiful stone wall and it adds to the village as you go through. But it would be nice to think that they could use the other entrance. But, you know, something needs to be done with this building, it, it, I would have thought. But those are my comments. So. Right. So we're now, we've had a proposal to refuse this application. This is number seven. Um, those in favour of refusal. Those in favour? Of refusal. Against the refusal. Against the refusal. Against, yeah, against <laughs> the refusal, sir. Any abstentions? Can I just advise members that overlooking doesn't come into it now because you're looking at as a listed building application heritage asset and so so therefore you, you you need to consider whether or not the impact on the conservation area and the use of the listed building it's it, it's difficult whether to run emv1 but i think that's what you're going to be doing so just the emv refusal reason i would suggest councillor gerard if, if i may chair i would like to propose refusal on emv1 alone do I have a second for that, Councillor Fairhurst? Seconded. Well, that we have, you see, because EMV2, the refusal reason you had was not an impact on the listed building, it was in fact on the conservation area. So it is not a peculiar issue to approve listed building consent. It does not damage any issues regarding the conservation area or the listed. So you can approve the listed building consent. Trust me, you can. It's two different situations because there is none of the discussions you've had earlier were about harm to the listed building. Um, you know, it's picking up Councillor Lemon's point about the fact that the building has been brought back into use, the extension. You have determined that it overlooks the neighbour. That is not a listed building concern issue. And you're also determined that it's affecting the conservation area. That's not a listed building issue. So you're not damaging any decision by approving the EMV. Councillor Freeman. I propose that we approve the listed building consent. I was just going to say that might be a good idea. I just want to question is that if we were to approve listed building consent, uh, and there was an appeal on the previous application, does our approval on the list of building consent um, work against us potentially on appeal? No. <laughs> Thank doesn't. you. Is there any further discussion on this? I have a proposal and a seconder for uh, listed building consent on the barn. Um, those in favour? Those against? Abstentions? One abstention. And that listed building consent is approved. Thank you.
I've just been asked if we could have a comfort break for between five and ten minutes that I'm conscious that um, we need to press on. Thank you. Please hold. Your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. 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 Please hold. Your meeting has been temporarily adjourned.
Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned.
Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Right, thank you, thank you. I will reconvene the meeting and we we'll move on to item 9, UTT 19-0391, land at Berry Water Lane, Newport. And I'd ask Luke Mills to go through the application, please. Thank you, Chair. The site is located to the north of Berry Water Lane in Newport and comprises an ongoing residential development of 84 dwellings. The application is for the variation of conditions on the reserved matters approval to allow an amendment to the approved 1.5 metre high landscaping bund in the western part of the site. I'll indicate that here. The proposed bund would extend slightly further east, so it'd be this area here. There's the previous one, which shows it flat. So it extends slightly further east and would have an increased height. The height relative to ground level would vary due to the sloping nature of the site, although it would be predominantly between 2.2 and 2.5 metres, with a maximum of approximately 3 metres. The sections on this slide illustrate the profile of the proposed bund. These photographs were sent in by a neighbour yesterday and show the bund under construction. Oh, 
An additional representation was also received yesterday, raising concerns that the developer has already commenced works on the enlarged bund and in relation to the materials that may, may be used in its construction. Please note that the retrospective nature of the application should not have a bearing on the decision and the developer has a responsibility to ensure the bund is constructed safely. It is recommended that approval be granted. I have um, some speakers on this. Um, I have Nina Clark and Judy Emanuel, and I have also been asked if they may show photographs of the site which I have agreed to. So I will call Nina Clark. Good afternoon. I'm Nina Clark and I live at number one Meadow Suite Way, which is plot 42 on the plan, immediately next to the Bund. Unfortunately, many of my neighbours are unable to attend today due to work or other commitments, but are happy for me to speak on their behalf. We do hope that members have read the 16 individual objections to the application from residents on the estate, as we feel that the officer's report does not demonstrate the strength of feeling, particularly from those directly affected. Indeed, the officer has, in our view, dismissed some of the arguments made, for example, the wind effect, which is disappointing. Many of us would not have bought our homes had we realised the bund might end up higher than the originally agreed height. However, we understand that you probably can't take this into account, nor many of our other concerns. But two aspects are very relevant as referenced by the local plan. Firstly, and particularly for those of us next to or opposite the bond in Meadow Sweet Way, the increased height results in material overlooking of our properties, whether this be into our gardens and or through bedroom windows. Some of us have taken the opportunity to stand on the bond, which, as you may know, has already been constructed by Carla Holmes at the new height, although we think there might be a little bit more topsoil yet to go on. There will definitely be overlooking affecting the privacy of several houses. At the original lower height, this would not have been the case. Secondly, the new scale of the bond, in terms of both its height and its spread, does have an overbearing effect on neighbouring properties. Many people purchased or leased their properties knowing that they would have lovely views across the countryside. These views are now significantly impeded or obliterated. The wild ecological approach to the landscaping is welcomed, but of course this will also add further to the height. Lastly, it's worth pointing out that if the officer is claiming that the view of the development from way across the fields to the west will be more effectively screened by the higher bund, what does that tell you? Quite, that the height of the bund actually is quite substantial, so please spare a thought for the residents. So to summarise, in our view, there will be material overlooking of nearby properties 
and the proposal does have an overbearing effect on those properties and we strongly urge members to very carefully consider residents' concerns and refuse permission. And as Luke mentioned, there are four photographs which I would like to show, which I took last night, um, having heard that Mr Brown had declined members the opportunity to visit the site today. So these were just very quickly taken, and they show in the first on the left, that is the view from number 8 Meadow Suite Way, on their front path. The next one from the left is from number six, then moving down Meadow Sweet Way from number four, and the last one from number, number two Meadow Sweet Way. Thank you. Thank you. And now I call upon uh, um, Judy Emanuel from Newport Parish Council. Three minutes. Judy, you have three minutes. Thank you. Could I say just before I start that I only have three copies of my um, speech with the photograph which is attached on the second page. So I'll pass this one along once I've spoken, if that's okay. I'm sorry, I don't have more copies. Abundance essential... Oh, sorry, I should introduce myself. I'm Judy Emanuel. I'm Vice Chair of Newport Parish Council. Abundance essentially a mound of earth that in this case was in originally intended to soften the impact of the development from Cross Valley views to the west. The committee officer report on the approved plan for this site describes, and I quote, a low bund to be planted with wild flowers. It is proposed to be a maximum of 1.5 metres high with a relatively level top and gentle slopes to allow for it to be used recreationally as part of the open space. The officer's report on this new application to vary the height of the bund provides details of two new pieces of information, neither of which was included in the consultation documentation. The first point is that the officer advises that the height of the bund is to be doubled from 1.5 metres, that's less than 5 feet, to a maximum of 3 metres, that's almost 10 feet tall. The second point is that the officer advises us that the proposed bund is not designed as an open space with direct public access. This is a very significant change. So instead of a bank that is planted with wildflowers and to be used recreationally, residents will be faced with a massive 10-foot bank with a steep gradient that they are not permitted to use. How does the applicant propose to prevent access? There's not specified. In the original approved plan, the maximum gradient ratio was 1 in 5. In the new one, it is 1 in 3, which is a much steeper bank. As a point of comparison, there's a road in the Lake District called the Hard Knock Pass. Its maximum gradient is 1 in 3, and it's the steepest road in the UK. We believe that this gradient would present a risk to safety, both for pedestrians, particularly children, and for those maintaining the site, i.e. using tractors or ride-on mowers. It's worth noting that this application is now largely retrospective, the height of the bund having already been increased in advance of the application being determined by this committee. The impact of the development on the surrounding landscape is indeed significant, although this is largely down to the use of red pantile roof tiles, which are highly visible in the landscape. Even a three-metre bund will not mitigate this. The surrounding property owners purchased their properties prior to completion of the works on site in good faith that the planned landscaping surrounding their houses would be implemented in accordance with the approved plan. This included the low bund opposite or adjacent to their properties. 
it is not reasonable of the developer to change the plans to such an extent post-sale and significantly reduce the residential amenity as a consequence for no other reason but to save themselves money. In conclusion, the, app the application is contrary to several plan policies. Gen 2 on several counts, the scale and mass of the bund relative to the surrounding housing is excessive. The application would have an adverse impact on residential amenity through its overbearing size. There's also an unacceptable risk of overlooking and loss of privacy. And EMV 3, due to the fact that at the revised height, it could no longer be used for its intended purpose as open space. This variation entirely changes the original intention of the Bund with no compensatory benefit to residents and potentially presents a risk of safety as a consequence in the change of gradient and height. Thank you. Thank you. There are no other speakers, so I'll throw this open to the committee. Uh, Councillor Gerard. Thank you, Chair. Uh, yes, I did call this matter in. Um, actually, at the time, um, I called it in on Gen 4, Gen 6 and ENV 12. However, I'll come, come to a couple of other policies in a second. Um, what we're being asked to do, obviously, is to relax a condition um, when, at a time that I believe that we should probably be enforcing conditions. Um, on the whole, in my, I mean, I've, I've watched this development grow. I live in Newport. I walk my dogs here. I know the area well. What has essentially happened, in my opinion, is that the developers have allowed the topsoil to build up, build up, build up, and for whatever reason they decided that actually rather than spending money to shift it, shift it off and take it away, just keep it building up and apply to a, relax a condition that says you can't. Um, I have seen the houses that are affected by this. I've spoken to the residents affected by this. As always, I, I, I am open-minded. However, this does have an impact. And the conclusion in the office report that it does not cause harm in my, in, on balance, I believe is wrong. I believe it does cause harm. And I believe that at a time when, as I said, we should be enforcing conditions, we should not be pressurised into relaxing it. And I can't see any reason why we would want to pressurise, uh, to, to put ourselves in a position where we would relax it. Now, some members may remember uh, last month or even, yes, last month, I think it was, beginning of this month, we took a drive down White Ditch Lane, which is adjacent to this, and I believe that we saw the effects that are happening in Newport, particularly in this area, which is a cumulative impact. Now, at some point, we, I thought we'd, we agreed that there was a cumulative impact issue here in Newport, and this is an extra issue that would simply then further exasperate an already bad situation. So I am in no doubt at all that and fully concur with the speakers earlier on and my own opinion is, is that this is absolutely no question we should not be allowing these conditions to be, uh, to be uh, not to be met or to, or to be varied and I'm unequivocal and I'm going to actually kick it off right away, I'm unequivocal that we should proceed not to allow this application to vary conditions, and I think we should refuse this application. Thank you. Councillor Freeman. Yes, thank you, Chairman. Uh, when I first saw this application, I, I, I saw lots of advantages in it. Uh, it saves moving possibly hundreds of cubic metres of soil from the site to someplace else, and that involves an awful lot of energy. It's heavy stuff, it's hard to move, it involves big trucks going through villages and along roads. 
to wherever it's going to be used. So on that basis, it seemed quite a sensible arrangement, not having to move it, turn it into a bund. Uh, but then, on closer examination, this bund is what I think, and correct me on this, the officers will correct me, uh, that it's part of the open, green open space. Uh, and what could have been extremely usable green open space suddenly is largely unusable green open space unless you fancy doing some circuit training uh, or practicing running up the hard knot pass. I used to live in the Lake District. I can promise you the hard knot pass is quite steep. Uh, so the other thing is we've been told um, that the fact that it's a retrospective application is something which we should ignore. That is completely wrong. If we ignore retrospective ap applications, then we may as well not exist. We may as well not be here. Everybody can go off and do exactly what they like, and it doesn't matter. Or at least, if it does matter, we'll rubber stamp it retrospectively. You can't do that. You can't run a satisfactory planning system if you rubber stamp retrospective applications just because they come in. And it does concern me. I, I would feel much more comfortable about this if the de developer were not already building their buns. Um, I have no problem with buns. I worked many years in the chemical industry and we had lots of them around all our nasty chemicals to keep them in in case something leaked. Uh, but this thing, I think, has basically compromised the green open space, which would have been a significant part of this application being granted in the first instance. So you, you may almost build houses on it. It would be better if you built houses on it, because at least then it would be usable. Uh, so I'm concerned about that. Uh, and... Some of the arguments put against it are not valid because, unfortunately, in planning law, nobody is entitled to a view. And if you bought a house, of course, it's got a lovely view. The only way you can guarantee you continue to have a lovely view is if you own all the land that makes up the view, which the landed gentry in Britain, of course, do. But if you're just an ordinary person like you or me, then actually it's, you're fortunate if the view remains unchanged, but you don't have much influence over it beyond that. But I'm not enthusiastic about this. Uh, I think it's, in a way, it's having a laugh because what was potentially very usable green space has become much less so. And it's difficult to see how that can be mitigated. Uh, it's going to be, uh, it's going to reduce the amenity of the houses, which is a planning concern. Uh, and I don't see a great value to it. Uh, so, and it's being done now without planning consent and that really does offend me and it should offend all of us yeah, yeah just, I'm going to use my usual strap line on retrospective planning applications um, the retrospective nature is irrelevant um, just because it's already been done doesn't give you an obligation that you have to approve it and just because it's been done and you refusing it will result in some enforcement action, you shouldn't be afraid of that. So you should make a decision as if it's not there. The fact it's there gives you the benefit to assess what the impact is. But the fact is, that is what we mean by the retrospective nature not being a planning consideration. Because it doesn't work either way. You know, just because it's there, you're not obliged to approve it. And just because it's there, you shouldn't be afraid to refuse it and let us take enforcement action. I have to say that because people say that all the time because this, the fact is retrospective is not a determining factor here. Don't do it just to teach them a lesson. Councillor, sorry. Clarify another point about the steepness of the slope. Um, so the one in three slope is a maximum slope and so it does vary across the bund. 
on these section drawings here, the um, third line down this section, you can see it's a more gradual slope. I mean, there's a gap between the two there. That's just because it's a continuation. It wouldn't fit on the slide. Um, and then on that one there, of course, that's also more gradual. Of course, these are steeper, so at the top. But it's just the point is the one in three is a maximum, and there are many places where it's more gradual, and access to what would remain an informal open space would still be possible. Councillor Storer. Thank you, Chair. I was going to say I agree with everything that's been said today, but on this one particular point, now correct me if I'm wrong, but I'd understood that um, with this higher bond, uh, the access was private, whereas before it was public. Is that...? No, no, that's not a specific change at all. Okay. So what it is, the, the point made in the report is more that it's, it's not designed as its primary function is as a landscaping and ecological bund. Um, of course, it's accessible to, as for informal recreation, but that wasn't its primary purpose. It still remains available. It's not being proposed that this is now made private and made inaccessible. The inaccessibility is through the increased steepness of right. the majority of the slopes. Although, as I've just pointed out, there would still be more gradual slopes around parts, so it would still be accessible. But no, it's not intended that it's in any way made more right. private other than the fact that the steepness of the banks might discourage access from some points. Okay. Thank you for that. The, the second point I was going to make is to, uh, to recommend refusal, Chair. Um, Councillor Pavitt. I was just going to say, you used the term primary uh, objective. Surely that's simply just to, to avoid the cost of moving the soil. Isn't that the primary objective? <laughs> to be honest, I don't really know why you're asking me that question. You're making a, a, a poetic sort of scene of, of all this wonderful usefulness when the sole objective is to avoid moving the soil, which is a perfect grounds for refusing. Thank you, Mr Chairman. I can't see any possible reason why we'd want to support this, so I'm seconding the motion to refuse. Can I just clarify the refusal reason? That's all that's all I was going to say. Well, originally I was looking at Gen 4, Gen 6 and ENV 12, as you know. Um, I would, I'm not sure about Gen 2 or ENV 3. Um, bit of guidance, perhaps. What, what's the primary concern? Yeah, what so aside yeah, aside from the policy, say. is it visual impact overlooking both? I mean, as I said, I mean, my, my main, you know, there is an, there is an overlooking impact. There is an overlooking, there, there is an overbearing impact. Um, I mentioned uh, basically in terms of, I put in Gen 6 because I, I felt that was appropriate to what we're dealing with here. And... Um, Perhaps I was mistaken on groundwater protection, um, but um, open spaces and trees, the NV3, I do not believe that this is what it said on the tin when people bought their homes. It's contrary, to, it's misrepresentation actually. People are, have bought homes thinking that they have amenity land and now uh, they've made a mountain out of a bund. Okay, okay. Obviously, that, that we are over, overlapping here with. Sorry, I'm helping you. I'm capturing what the, the, what the issue is to, to package it up as a refusal reason. But the fact, obviously, parallel to that is the people that have bought a property 
who have bought these properties, are, and, and you know that is a separate issue between them and the, and the people who sold them the properties, and that's not for us. But it's the same thing. The problem is the same thing. I believe that we have to consider social considerations, and surely that is a social consideration, our, our residents. Well, yeah, but it's, it's the reasons why they're not happy about it. It's the same as us. Yeah. And if you look at, I mean, we are... No, no, sorry, I'm not trying to make this difficult. This is a tough one, isn't it? Gen 2, in terms of overlooking, I mean, it's, it's not a tough one saying you may not be satisfied with the proposal, but it's a tough one trying to capture it in terms of a planning reasons for refusal. Gen 2 is an overlooking issue, um, so therefore members have assessed that. Uh, Gen 6 is infrastructure provision. You're basically saying the, the open space is not... But it's, it's, still, it's still a difficult one to argue. If we can just, are you saying that if we are arguing on too many counts, like you often say, it's best to be quite tight on this? Yeah, but the issue here is we need to, to I mean, just because someone, sorry, I'm not demeaning, but when I say this, I'm not demeaning the problems the residents are having. Just because someone stands on a bun and can see into the property, is that the only reason why you're objecting to it? It's not, is it? So, um, so and so, you, you, you know, in terms of talking about... Um, the open space property is, is protection of designated open space, so that which this isn't. It, it's part of the provided open space from the from the from the development. So ENV three surely comes into play here. Well, that's what I mean. It's not. A, let's go back to ENV three. Yeah. Um, the loss of judicial open spaces often visually important spaces, groups of trees and fine individual tree specimens for development proposal will not be admitted unless the need for the development outweighs their amenity value. Okay. So, okay, this is a different one because obviously often you're starting from scratch and you're starting with a site that may be an open space in the past. This is a piece of land that was provided as open space as part of development and has been harmed. And that's what you are saying. So therefore, thinking it through, there is a potential M3 could be included on that. Yes, but I'm also saying that this is a... This is this is contrary to the, to, the, to the planning permission already granted. So surely there's an enforcement issue here as well. Just because it's contrary to the planning permission is not a reason to refuse it in its own, in its own right. That will result in enforcement action. So, so the issue is it, it, it isn't. Everyone accepts that it doesn't comply with the original planning permission, but the argument is what's wrong with it. And you're, you're arguing that there's overbearing from it. It's not the product that was agreed. It's a different type of open space. And you're, you're, you're sort of... You know, you're sort of watering down what was originally there. That's what you're saying. So M3, it's a difficult one to argue with, but I think M3 is a potential here. Mr Chairman, could I ask my colleague, Councillor Storer, for his opinion on this, please? Thank you, Councillor. I was just going to ask, um, and forgive me if you've already touched upon it, because I'm not familiar with the policy. Uh, are we, could we be talking about the functionality of the open space, given the steepness of the slope? And if so... What kind, which particular policy might that be and which criteria of it? Because it is an important issue, this. It's no good uh, youngsters trying to ride a bike on a, on a one in three slope or, or whatever, or play football. It's not a lot of fun, that, sure. I would imagine. So that would be um, Gen 1 and Gen 2, both of those are kind of relevant to what you're talking about here. So Gen 1 is about access. A lot of it's about highway safety, that kind of thing. But it also says... Um, it must be designed to meet the needs of people with disabilities if it is development to which the general public expect to have access. So that touches on part of the point you just talked about there. And policy Gen 2, which is also relevant, um, 
it talks rather generally at point C. It says development should provide an environment which meets the reasonable needs of all potential users. So between those two policies, it probably picks up those concerns, I would have thought. Can I also make a suggestion? I'm not, into, I'm not one of these guys that kicks cans down roads, but, um, but the fact is we've, done this, we've got this coming up later as well. We need to get this right. So the, the potential is members have resolved to refuse this. So I've got no issues with bringing this back to the next meeting with the suggested refusal reason so we can, we can actually get it to make sure. That is not a reason... Yeah, sorry? No, no, but no, 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 that's what I mean. It's, and the issue is not is a different one to previous refusals against officer recommendation. It's trying to capture everything that, that you've discovered is wrong with it. And I think that's important. I don't want to have a refusal reason made on the hoof where we've suddenly missed something that you think actually there's fundamental. And that's because this has to be a robust one. Parallel to that, there is an enforcement issue. And the, and the issue with the result of the refusal reason, we have to make a decision to take enforcement action. And and we also need to talk to the county because there's movement of waste and stuff like that. We're not shirking from that, but that's the next responsibility of the next thing in terms of it. So what we can do is bring back to the re report back to committee next week in a similar way that we've got coming back four cases on with the refusal reasons, so it's a robust way so we can defend it. Uh, Chair, subject to Councillor Freeman's comments, I'm uh, very happy to go that way. Councillor Freeman. Yes, thank you, Chairman. Um, to add to the list, as it were, there is a loss of amenity here. Now, how you wrap that up, I don't know, but it's a loss of amenity to the, the houses that were looking, going to look out onto a 1.5 metre maximum bund and suddenly find that somebody's built a, a wall higher than that wooden wall at the end of this chamber outside their house. Uh, that's significant in my view. And it is a degradation of the environment which they paid for, which they bought from the developer Carla Holmes because they bought a piece of green space uh, and it's changed it's still green space but it's much less usable I think that should be incorporated into our argument somehow Councillor Bagnall I've got a few observations so I think everyone's covered the reasons why we might be minded to refuse it but I, my first question was uh, are enforcement aware of this and when did they start any action I'm not asking for an answer right now. So, But what would normally happen if you have a retrospective situation like this, the first thing that we would always do is invite a planning application. So we have a planning application in already. So we have to, now that is actually the right thing. So if you, if you are carrying out works that are, that are contrary, even if the proposal is necessary, the person has the absolute right to apply for planning permission for what they've done. For I, I what get do. that they have the right to apply for planning permission, yeah. but I don't get the right that they can just carry on regardless without someone serving a stop notice. Yeah, but that's, you know, the stop notice is very exceptional circumstances. I, I, I don't have an issue with it being exceptional, but... This is an exceptional. Is, has it happened? No, what has so happened... Nothing's happened in terms of enforcement. No, the issue about the enforcement is the application has to be determined previously and then we consider whether... And we also make a decision in terms of whether it is appropriate to carry out stop action because okay. the ultimate function will be remove it and that's what we will need to right, be doing. so that's my next point. So I've written down here about imposition of fines or removal of the bund to the agreed height of 1.5 metres. So that would be something I'd be like to follow up. Uh, and also, I've got a real concern why we think it's okay. So as, as the officers looking at this, 
What determines OK? So how do you make an assessment that you felt that it was all right? Chairman, it is not, that's not a question you should be asking. We, we've recommended it for approval, and you've got the right to, to disagree. It's not to get into the minds of an individual officer to we, see whether... No, but do we, have a, do we have any sort of way of determining that? It's in front of you, what the, yeah. the views were. The, so the report is in determine? front of you. Yeah, I think sorry, you have, we need you to depersonalise this. You look at your, what's in front of you. You need to depersonalise this. Not, sorry, sorry. not right. go down that route. So no. That suggests there's no actual way of determining whether it should be 1.5 or 2 or 3 or 5 or 7. I can, I can happily respond to that. So this is, you're talking about the visual impact of it. I'm so talking about the height. Yeah, the height. So yeah. it's, it's, the question is about what effects... Sorry, your microphone's still on there. Um, so the question is about whether the height and the mass of the bund has a detrimental visual impact on the character of the area. So that's, that is a subjective opinion, and that's why we're, probably all of us in this room might have a slightly so, different sorry, opinion. Sorry, that wasn't my question. No, okay. Could no, you... my, my query was, how do we determine that the high height of three, three metres, when approval for 1.5 was given, how do we determine that, determine that three metres is okay? Not the visual impact of it, but just the fact that it's three metres high. Yeah. Is there a way of determining... It's not... It might not be a question for the officer, so it is, there is no... But this is, this is an no imprecise standards. science, so we're, you know, we've probably got, even, okay. even if you'd agree to refuse this, there's probably ten different views on what that appropriate height would be. So. I'm, so, I'm sorry, I'm going to bring this um, discussion to an end at the moment. We have a, um, an application to increase the height of this bung. Uh, I have a, a proposal and a seconder to refuse that application. And I will now ask people to vote yeah. those. Subject to, and I, may I suggest that maybe in my discussions about the refusal reason, I speak to Councillor Hargreaves and maybe, the, maybe Judy in terms of trying to establish between us that we've captured all the ministerial issues as a first stab to bring back to members for, for, for consideration next month. Right. Those in favour of refusal? That's unanimous. Um, now Thank you, Chair. This full, this full application relates to the variation of condition 11, that's removal of existing buildings of approved application UTT 183370OP, relating to the erection of up to nine dwellings and associated development involving the demolition of the poultry buildings on the site and also stables. Uh, together with new vehicular access from Old Mid Lane, with all matters reserved except access to now read as follows. Prior to occupation of the first dwelling of the development hereby approved, in principle, all of the existing buildings shown coloured in green as number annotated on the buildings to be retained in demolished plan, uh, drawing reference uh, dated 24th of April 19, i.e. buildings 1 to 13, 
shall be demolished and any materials arising therefrom not used in the development permitted shall be removed from the site. Um, just to show you, this is the uh, original uh, site plan for the development approved previously under the um, uh, up to nine dwelling scheme edged in red and you can see that there is additional land edged in blue which pertains to the, the applicant. And uh, within this area, this shows it more, uh, more, more, more um, appropriately, the, the, the green poultry uh, buildings, uh, they are the ones to be now demolished under this uh, variation of condition scheme. There's 13 of those, and of those 13, uh, there are five on the left-hand side nearest to the road which would need to be demolished anyway to make way for the approved development. So we have, apart from the five within that red line area, as you can see there, outside that and in the blue line area within the control of the applicant, we have uh, a, a further nine poultry buildings now to be demolished with uh, five commercial buildings uh, to be retained. Uh, you can see these orange buildings uh, top right at the end of this, this farm track access road. Now, as I say, uh, before um, the, the applicant uh, agreed to have all um, of the 18 poultry buildings demolished, but uh, these five buildings uh, shown orange now to be retained by the variation of this condition application they are in active commercial use by, uh, uh, by small um, commercial users and uh, the applicant considers that they should be retained to um, uh, retain uh, the low, um, low rental use but uh, economy of the area. So that's uh, what we have. And as a conclusion to this, the principle of residential development at this location is still considered acceptable, whereby the reduction in the number of poultry buildings to be demolished at the site from 18 buildings as originally proposed under the approved and extant application UTT 183370OP and as required by condition 11 of that permission, now to 13 buildings as now sought by the current variation of condition application would still represent a significant environmental gain at the site by way of planning mitigation and the proposal would still represent a presumption in favour of sustainable development under the provisions of the NPPF whereby a countryside objection cannot be reasonably sustained under policy S7 as previously assessed and where the five buildings to be retained would continue to be used for active local business use. It is therefore recommended, Chair, that this variation of condition application be approved. Thank you. I have one speaker, and that is James Salmon, who is the agent. And James, you have three minutes. Thank you. Good afternoon, Chairman and Members. Uh, this application relates to the variation of an earlier planning condition attached to a planning permission for nine dwellings in Elsdon. The condition requires the demolition of 18 buildings on the former poultry farm. 
this application before committee today proposes to vary that condition to demolish um, 13 of the buildings as opposed to the original 18, therefore retaining five buildings. The reason being that these five buildings are still in use. The original condition was previously added despite the officer's report confirming that the condition was not required to make the original development acceptable, which is a prerequisite for any planning condition. Therefore, the original condition did not meet the test set out in paragraph 55 of the MPPF. Notwithstanding this, the applicant wishes to only amend the condition rather than remove it entirely. The applicants would like to retain five buildings which are in good condition and are currently leased for commercial purposes. The other 13 would be demolished. The retention of five buildings will not have any adverse impacts upon the countryside and would have negligible impact upon the street scene, being well set back from the highway unlike several of the other buildings on the site which will still be removed. The five buildings that the applicant would like to retain are currently leased and provide small-scale employment and storage facilities. Their removal would subsequently see the loss of local business facilities and storage, which would seem to have an adverse impact upon the economic development in the area. <clears throat> it is therefore in both the applicant's and the occupant's interest that these five buildings are retained. Furthermore, it is not in the Council's interest to see the loss of these existing rural employment facilities. Currently, the five buildings are leased by three separate companies. These are GE Grey Carpentry, Aerobond Aircraft Services and Allen Gregory Furniture, who occupy three of the buildings. These three businesses employ 12 staff between them. Refusing this application would see these businesses at best needing to relocate and at worst they would cease trading. Overall, the proposals to vary the condition will have no adverse impacts, whilst the reasons for their demolition is not justifiable in planning policy terms. Paragraph 54 and 55 of the MPPF requires conditions to be necessary to make a development acceptable, which was not the case in this instance, hence the variation application. The applicant, therefore, respectfully requests that this condition be amended. Thank you. Thank you. I've no, I've no further speakers, but um, Councillor Freeman. No, oh, sorry, it's Councillor Fairhouse. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. This looks like a, a very good example of where we need to adjust our, our conditions to, to fit to the rea realities, and I'd be happy to propose that we, we support this. Councillor Gerard. Yes, just a quick question for Mr. Theobald. Just to clarify, what is the recommendation? as sought be approved. In that case, I'm happy to second that. Thank you. Is there any further discussion on this matter? I'd just like Bagner? to say, Chair, that actually I do know this particular site very well, and uh, there are some lovely little small businesses, and we'd ruin those if we just actually went against it. So, actually, I concur. Thank you. Thank you. I'll take that to the vote now. Those in favour of this application? granting this application. Those against? Uh, abstentions? Thank you. So we move on to item 10. Um, UTT 19 stroke 0551 um, Hammerhill Farm Stanbrook Road Thaxted. And um, I'll ask Jonathan to go through this for us. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you, Chair. This application seeks to remove an agricultural occupancy 
condition. This particular site has a condition um, restricting occupation to an agricultural worker. Indeed, an agricultural worker who works at Hammer Hill Farm, which isn't a farm anymore. The, um, the units to the north of this site, uh, the site is outlined in red, the, the former barns are now what can best be described as a business park. Uh, the former farmhouse is further to the north. This isn't a case where uh, a couple of years ago a new, built, uh, a new house was built subject to an agricultural occupancy condition. This is about a matter that dates from 19, um, 1964. It predates the local plan of 2005. And perhaps that's why in this particular case, perhaps it's been over-egged. The, um, the condition was right at the time, but um, restricted occupancy to Hammer Hill Farm. The farm effectively no longer exists. We have in writing that um, uh, Hammer Hill Farm doesn't form part of any agricultural occupants, uh, any, any agricultural holding. I mean, really, Chairman, that is just about it. Thank you very much. Um, I have one speaker, John Freeman. Um, I'm sorry we've kept you waiting so long, but uh, we've, we've got to you now. Thank you, Mr Chairman. Your apologies are accepted. <laughs> uh, I'll be brief. I was a fifth-generation farmer at Hammerhill Farm until three years ago. Unfortunately, farming on a relatively small scale became unviable and I had to make the difficult decision to sell the land and as such, Hammerhill Farm is no longer an agriculture holding and so therefore no, there is no requirement for agriculture workers, obviously. In 1964, my family were given permission to build an agricultural bungalow for my grandmother. This is the property in which I currently live and is the subject of this application. The condition applied to the planning permission in 1964 stated that the dwelling shall only be occupied by a bona fide agricultural worker and, and or his dependents employed at the farm. As there is no agriculture holding at Hammerhill Farm, the condition appears to be no longer valid or reasonable. I therefore hope that you will support my application to have this condition formally removed. Thank you for your time. Can I pass that over to the committee to discuss questions or proposals? Or Could I just ask Mr Brown what possible implication there might be if we do not approve this? <laughs> this it's just, well, no, I mean, if, if you refuse it, then obviously the person has the right of appeal and um, in, in terms of, you know, but the ultimate story is it's, it's just a lost appeal, but basically... It's basically the, the implications, it's quite sensible that it's, a, it's an agricultural dwelling for Hammerhill Farm, which doesn't exist as a farm in reality, and so therefore... In that case, um, I'd like to propose that um, we accept this application. And I have a seconder. Um, can I put that to a meeting unless there's any other questions that anybody wants to ask? Those in favour? 
Those against? Thank you. That's that unanimous. Thank you. Right. <laughs> right. I'm going down there because I need to do a presentation. Down okay. There. Right. Yes. Um, we now move on to item 12. With there's a chief officer's report on 19 stroke 25 Loom Pits Way, Saffron Walden. Um, I'll hand over to you, Nigel. Thank you. Thank you, Chairman. Um, members will recall this is an application that what well, members from the old committee may have recalled as determined it as one of the last committee items. Um, it came to this last committee. Basically, this is an issue where we approved a dwelling. Um, um, but we, it came as an administrative error that we had notified the neighbours. Very, very rarely happens, and so we, we, we've issued a permission, um, and that permission has now been, been implemented quite legitimately with conditions being discharged. The application is actually a smaller version of a dwelling that was previously approved. So, but now the dwelling is coming out of the ground, it has became clear that the, um, a roof light that has been implemented in, in accordance with the approved plans, actually overlooks the neighbour. And some, you can see there, there's the neighbour property through there, and it's, 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 it's also it's back the other way as well, so it's reciprocal. So they're overlooking each other. So the, the applicant building the thing has changed it, has actually changed it. To, now, we cannot, because this application has already been approved, normally that wouldn't be a problem. We would have put a condition on or got an amended plan. Because it's been approved, the only way this could have been resolved is by the applicant to submit a non-material amendment, which they have done. So the non-material amendment here has been submitted that actually moves the window up to that position. So therefore, you're actually, I can't actually do it. I'm covering the screen and you won't be able to see it. But if you look at the, the bit below that, if you block that bit, that's where the roof light position will be. It is in that position. This is a photograph. So there would be no mutual overlooking between either of the properties. So I think this has resolved the issue. Um, the neighbour, it would have been an issue that would have risen anyway. This often quite happens whereby the, it doesn't quite work. So there's discussions between the neighbours. It's been sorted. The nominal amendment will be considered on its own merit. But obviously we haven't considered the nominal amendment until today. So the, the, the main, going all the way back to the recommendation of the report, if we knew now, would we have still approved permission? I think we would have still been in this situation. So the recommendation is to still to confirm planning permission subject to us sorting out the nominal amendment. Thank you. Uh, Councillor Fairhurst. Move to adopt. Can I have a second that we should adopt this recommendation? Those in favour? Thank you. Right, members have, members will recall this matter being, re being resolved to refuse from the last planning committee. Um, we have a suggested condition there, picking up the cumulative impact issue. The proposal would exacerbate further the cumulative impact of development in White Ditch Lane and Berrywater Lane, resulting in significant detrimental harm upon matters of highway safety and harm to the rural countryside setting of the area, contrary to policies Gen 1 and S7, the Oxford Local Plan, and paragraphs 109 and 180, both of which the bits that refer to cumulative impact of the National Planning, Pro Planning Policy Framework 2019. Have members got, uh, are you okay with that? 
So, okay. Councillor Gerard. I would like to move that we adopt, please. Right, and that's seconded. 